What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Portions of The Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Catch every UFC pay-per-view live in full HD at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead, just outside Great Northern Mall. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. Sports Fix listeners, don't wait all day or all week to get in on the fun. The party doesn't stop when we go off the air all week long. The Sports Fix social media sites are your one-stop shop for all things Cleveland sports. Jump over to Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix. Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix and become a fan today because we love fans and they create some of the best sports talk in town, Daddy. You'll enjoy talking to your fellow Cleveland sports fans on The Sports Fix fan page. And if Twitter's your thing, well, you know how we do it. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. It's that simple. Twitter.com slash the Sports Fix CLE, baby. Chat live with the crew during all your favorite Cleveland sports events, tickets and contests and trivia and so much more. Get with us today, the Sports Fix on social media. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. Join the Sports Fix on Facebook and Twitter today. Hey, it's Hugh Hewitt, and when I want to know what's going on with the Cavs, the Browns, and the Tribe, I tune into Sports Fix. Live in Ohio, it's time to get your fix. The Sports Fix. Welcome in, everybody. We are lot. Woo, we are hot. There we go. We are live. We are on the air. We're not blowing out your eardrums anymore, hopefully, or anything like that, man. Uh, I was scrambling to uh, get things on the air because I had some stuff going on before. But right before we went on, I looked up. I said, oh, my, my goodness, it catches up on you quick. Forgot to uh, do the uh, traditional lowering of a of the one volume setting. I, I heard it in my ear. I said, ooh, hopefully that didn't uh, wake anybody up. Wake up out there. I did it on purpose, waking everybody up. We are hot. We are on the air and rolling. Wow, what a, uh, a roller coaster of a weekend up and down and all around that we've got here to, uh, to talk about today on all spectrums of all sports. Tons of things to go into. Big news things outside of the sports events. Trust me, <laughs> I've got a few things to say here momentarily as we kick things off before we get too deep. We've got the usual guests here on Monday. A lot to get into. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> let me get that ready. 
a jam-packed Monday edition of the Sports Fix coming your way, guys. So let's rock and roll and let's do it, man, as we get rolling. I am your host, the big daddy on the microphone, J-Rock, Jerry Myers, with you guys here as we are each and every weekday at noon across the Sports Fix radio network. However, you may be joining us. That may mean you're listening on TuneIn and TuneIn's radio app worldwide. Perhaps you're one of the crew that listens on Spreaker and Mixler or hangs out with my peanut gallery over there in the Mixler. Maybe you're listening to us live each and every day right on our home base, thesportsfix.net, our website, which not only has everything you need to know about the show, but, well, you know this part if you're sitting in there listening, but you're listening to the show live. It streams it, feeds it directly, button. it's magic. I'm like Houdini. I'm just, now you hear it, now you don't. Just like that. You gotta love it. That's how we roll here. Thank you guys for joining us live, and of course I would be remiss not to mention the thousands around the world who listen on digital delay 24 hours a day, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, the world's largest internet radio network. Perhaps you're listening on iTunes, you download us there, or you're listening on Spreaker, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher and CarPlay and all of the different formats, all the ways that you may download us and some of you subscribe to us on various feeds across the internet. Every week, I, I actually stumble across new places. I go, oh, I don't even know what this is, but they offer people a way to listen to the show. Kudos. Hats off to it. The more distribution, the better. So no matter what it is and how you do it, thank you guys so much. As I say each and every day, without you, there is no sports fix, and there are some big things coming on the horizon. And I don't mean far down on the horizon. In the next few weeks, there's going to be some really Really cool, really big changes, really big things going down here with the show as we continue to evolve. Can't wait to involve you guys in that and tell you more as details come out. I kind of hinted to some of it the other day. Now it actually may it may evolve even in some different ways, so we'll see. But however it is, let's keep it rolling. Thank you guys so much. And as I say, I see the phone lines ringing here. I've got calls in the queue. I've got the microphone, but I give it to you because this is your show. You are the voice of the Sports Fix, so use that voice today. I'm no no shortage of things to talk about here this morning on uh, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever your subject may be from over the weekend because they hit it all and we're going to hit it all. 216-539-7535 is the number to call. 216-539-7535. If you can't get to the phone, use your social media. And not just now, but all the time, 24 hours a day. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. Email us the Sports Fix at AOL.com. Hit us up on Facebook and like us while you're there. Become a fan. Nearly 21,000 of you. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Jump on our social media. Stay in touch with us there. And you got that right, Charles. I'm getting to it, baby. Who what were we just talking about Friday? As I was discussing my team of destiny theory with Jonathan Knight. I said, here it comes, baby. I said, you know, you know. Matter of fact, I think I said this exact set. You know when we come back. On Monday, you know, when we come back on Monday, we're going to be talking about a sweep of the White Sox, and then it's going to be just keeping this thing rolling. You know, that's what's going to happen, and bam, that's what happened. But seriously, guys, uh, Bart, and I'm not going to do too much because I got John McMullen from the Sports Network. He's coming up just about 30, 35 minutes from now. We'll talk Browns, we'll talk about the NFL, all of that, and we're going to talk about this here too. But to some of you out there in our audience, this is directed to some of you, to some of the national people around there, some of the different discussions that we had a few weeks back. I'm just going to say with the emergence, and I'm sure most of you listening here, with the emergence 
evidence of the footage directly from the elevator involving Ray Rice. And I remember some people hiding behind the well. You don't know what happened in that elevator. Maybe she just passed out drunk and he was helping her out of the elevator. Who are we to talk about things that we don't know? Well, brother, we know what we need to know now because as you guys have seen, or maybe you haven't, but early this morning, footage began to get out there from TMZ of the actual elevator assault of Ray Rice on his then fiance, now his wife. And I mean, he just directly, it was exactly what it was perpetrated to be, but people could hide behind the cloak of secrecy. He just cold cocked her, knocked her. I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's violent. It's quickly vicious. It's bam, dropped her on the elevator, clear as day. And uh, no excuse, no justification. Now the NFL scrambling. They say they didn't see this footage. They didn't They didn't have it as part of their debate, So, which may be true. And if that's true, you rushed to your judgment to try to hurry up and get your, your judic- adjudication done and, and get the public relations thing done. So if you did see it, this is incredibly, incredibly incriminating, not just on Rice, on the NFL for the way they're procedure went down and if you legitimately can say you didn't see it your investigation was flawed and that gives you every right to add to that punishment there is no way in hell that ray rice should be rejoining the baltimore ravens in just about seven days from now and meanwhile whether it's josh gordon whether it's whoever you want it whatever your team whatever your player there's 39 of them around the nfl take your pick guys that are missing games for various suspensions here and Every market could make the same argument that we are. Ours is just more, more bold because it's the biggest kind of offensive, you know, production guy you got. It's the big star, I guess, if you want to use that term or whatever. With with that being such a big part of our team, but there's 39 of them, like I said, around the NFL. Take your pick, guys that miss games, and and you're gonna have footage of that out there, and you're gonna be able to stand behind a two-game suspension for that. I and I dare any of you. Because I'm hearing nothing but the birds now. When I hear tweets, they're not coming on Twitter. It's silence. It's birdies tweeting in the air because nobody's sending me those stupid messages anymore. Nobody's arguing with me anymore that we all need to back off. And how, hey, Ravens fans, are you still standing? You still standing for Ray today? Remember, you were standing for Ray a few weeks ago. Are we standing for Ray? Let's build his statue next to the other Ray statue, and then you can have Ray and Ray. It's it, fitting that it sounds like a law firm because they both need a lot of lawyers in the course of their career. But And that disgusts me, too, by the way, the, the other Ray statue. But that's a different level of, of argument that I'm not even getting in right there. But, yeah, with this coming out, I'm telling you, I dare Roger Goodell to stand in front of microphones and stand in front of cameras and support a two-game suspension. These guys missed two games for jaywalking here, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, that guy, there's no way in hell that one week from today, Ray Rice should be walking back into the Baltimore facility and rejoining his teammates to go out there and play some football like nothing else happened. And if they do, that that's... That's not going to happen. I'm not even going to say if they do, because there's not a there's not a chance in hell. I'm saying it right now. There's not a chance in hell that the NFL's dumb enough to come back out and say, "Well, we're going to stand behind our two game suspension, with double jeopardy." This isn't the legal system. There is no, yeah, double jeopardy implies if 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 you fail. Okay, if you pass a drug test, if Josh Gordon goes and passes a drug test, and then tomorrow. A video comes out of him, 
using the Wizinator. If you guys remember what that was from a few years ago, the artificial uh, device that uh, you insert in your pants and it allows you to pretend to take a drug test. Anyways, uh, let's say that video services. I bet you now the NFL has the right to use double jeopardy and re-drug test Josh Gordon again. So don't give me that. And I guarantee you that's that conversation's happening right now in the NFL as it's going on. Exactly. In light of new evidence, it can be, it's definitely going to be tweaked, you guys. I have no doubt about it. But when I saw that, I woke up to that, saw the video coming out here, and I'm like, get out of here. And if TMZ could get their hands on it, you're trying to tell me the police couldn't get their hands on it? The, the NFL couldn't get their hands on it? Nobody, nobody got this footage but TMZ. Damn. TMZ is good, man, apparently, because they're the only people that can that can find this stuff, you know, but whatever. So we'll talk more about that with John McMullen. I want to get his thoughts exactly on what the NFL can and perhaps what he thinks they will do when it comes to that. But, you know, even hey, listen, man, and I see Charles in the chat room said I'm fired up. It's a, it's a double thing. Number one. And I don't stick up for Josh Gordon. You guys know that. It's more than just smoking pot that got Josh Gordon in trouble. But when teams, what, like I said, there's 39 of them around the NFL missing at least the first game of the season and more with suspensions. I mean, it's a, obviously something that's there. Every pregame show talked about it yesterday. That's You can't get away from all the stuff going on off the field. But, that you know, I mean... There are a lot of people sitting around, and this is the PR battle that the NFL has to fight, is there are a lot of people sitting around saying Josh Gordon is sitting at the house because he smoked weed, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it. And like I said, we know that that's not the actual uh, actual f uh, feeling of a lot of people, but that's the way some people see it. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Even though there's more to it than that. And meanwhile, something like this, and, you know, think about it. Two weeks from now, Baltimore getting ready to play you know the Browns and they get one of their big offensive weapons back meanwhile you know again that's the public relations battle even if we know that there's more than just black and white to it and that's just one of the reasons besides their freaking responsibility that the NFL is going to do that Charles asking if it's a new video yeah what this is this is the in the in the elevator footage that has now come out this is not the opposite side of where you saw them coming out of the elevator. That was the footage that was out there. The video that's out now is the in-the-elevator footage, which directly shows the assault. It shows him strike her first, her strike him back, and then him strike her with a dead punch to the face that just dropped her, dropped her where she stood. And then uh, he stands there and talks and looks for a few minutes, and then very coldly, 
drags her out of the elevator, and that's where it picks up on the other side of the footage that had already been released out there. So yeah, it's 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 now the other side. And now the story had been that the police had that footage as well, and I'm sure that they do. But the NFL claimed, if you guys remember, that they had everything that the police had, and that was what they used. So and that was where I couldn't understand how they could say with the footage and with the history and first-time offender, because I'm like, man... I was told that the footage that the police have directly shows that he knocked her out. That was exactly what I was told, that that's the video. And that's why I was surprised, too, that they let the thing go into that, what is it, the uh, whatever type of program that you, uh, you know, diversionary program or first offender program, whatever it is that they let that they let him go into. Because, number one, it's super egregious. Number two, it's an athlete. Number three, it happened in public. This isn't even a behind uh, the bedroom doors type of thing where it's like, well, well you know, uh, we're invading in somebody's home and their privacy, which I, that doesn't even apply in domestic violence to me. But that's an argument some people could shield behind. This is in, in public as, as much as it could be. Um, come on. It's everything you could think of there. And I'm like, wow, the police had this footage they let him walk the nfl had this footage they said man we gotta go after it. we gotta go after them pot smokers man we gotta like like i said 39 guys and some of those are bad some of those are for some some pretty bad stuff as we know you got alden smith you've got different guys but yeah man i'll tell you um anyways we'll talk more about this with john mcmullen when he comes on we'll talk dan wismar from the cleveland fan coming up in the one o'clock hour we'll talk browns and steelers and indians and buckeyes with him as the buckeyes i'm just gonna save that for later because I can't I, I will talk later about that as the Buckeyes. I mentioned it last Wednesday when we previewed it. I said, Dan I said that the upset potential is here. Neither one of us thought that would be the game that did it, but I said, man this team has the tools and the things that uh, that you want to have if you're trying to beat the Buckeyes here, man. And sure enough, it happened We'll talk about that with Dan Wismar. As I said, phone lines are open 216-539-7535 Your thoughts on the entire situation, Ray Rice here, what's going on, all of that. Hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter, on email, on social media, all the different ways as we continue on with the show. We're going to pick back up with that conversation here a little bit later on. So let me get your thoughts in the meantime, and when John McMullen joins us, we'll get into that. Let's just go in the order of things, and, and there's good, there's bad, there's ugly. We're going to talk about the Buckeyes here a little bit later on. i got to start. I got to start with them young Indians, man. I got to start there because seriously, let's start with the good, the the beacon of of the weekend, the light, the ray of light that came out. And it was the Indians this past weekend as they swept the Chicago White Sox. And I was only half joking. I really did say that for those of you guys that listen uh, on a daily basis. I said on Friday, they're going to sweep the White Sox. We're going to sit here on Monday talking about a sweep of the White Sox and now looking ahead and going, okay, here's what's next. And that's exactly what they did. Carlos Carrasco. Let's talk about your boy. Carlos Carrasco went out there and did it again, man. I mean, how many, how many times before a trend becomes more than just a trend? And, and I think we've reached that area here as he just continues to pick it up. All of them have the starting pitching across the board. Just unbelievable here. Is it? You look at this past weekend, you look at the, uh, the series here and the sweep 
Look at the scores, though. There, there was there was no blowouts. And, you know, we talked about the White Sox being a team that was circling the drain and ready to toss it in. There were no blowouts here. There wasn't. There, this was hard-fought victories, you know, 2-1, to 3-1, to 2 to nothing. This was your pitching showing up, staying for a while, hanging out, eating some lunch, hanging out at the ballpark. Carlos Carrasco just missed the complete game there to complete the sweep. Four hits, eight strikeouts, no walks. Again, and... and you saw that all weekend. Kluber, the Kluber, wasn't good to see Corey Kluber back, by the way. Corey Kluber went out there and did his thing the other night. Just all weekend long, exactly what you needed to see. You can say, hey, it was the White Sox. and Well, guess what? That's what you do when you're trying to get – you can't hold it against them and then not give them credit for it at the same time. You can't say, oh, well, playoff teams don't lose to the White Sox. Okay, well, they win. That's what you're supposed to do, and they're taking care of business, and they are taking care of that team of destiny business by the way as they now trail kansas city five games in the central <clears throat> four in the central because don't forget looming large that game in hand in the back pocket assuming of course that they can complete those final three outs of that game and then you're three and a half back for the second wild card oh you're within smoking distance now of the first wild card i'm just saying all options, all options. I sound like Mike Pettin in training camp. All options are on the table for the Indians at this point, and it circles back to the pitching and what they've done, buckling things down here. Carlos Carrasco, going back to him because he is the one that ended this thing yesterday. Since August 10th, he's 4-0. and Three earned runs allowed in 38 and two-thirds innings. I mean, Really, and you know what? Terry Francona talked about it the other day. I don't know if you guys heard him. He mentioned how during the the months, the time that Carrasco was in the bullpen, that guys were nudging him, Mickey Callaway and 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 some of the front office, and they were, hey man, let's let's give him another shot. We really think that he's he's starting to figure things out here, and it took a while before. And, and you know what? That happens when you get opportunity after opportunity and you don't live up to it, then sometimes the manager gets a little gun shy about giving you another opportunity. So, you know, he let them pester him for a while and credit to him. And you guys, this is why I say Terry Francona just pushes. He He's, he's the man. I'm telling you, he's doing a better job than he did last year. Cause at the end of the day, you can have guys nudging you, but you've got to make the, the call. It's your decision. And Terry Francona made the call. It was his decision. And he said, you know what? All right, I'm going to listen to you guys. I'm going to I'm gonna take a shot at this. And and I'm feeling it too. And boom, being rewarded for it there. And, uh, and again, uh, good to hear. I just, I like that. You know, it shows me so many times guys are my way or the highway guys. And you do got to have, you got to have some of that. You know what I mean? You do got to be, the buck does stop here because, you're the one that gets fired, not not necessarily anybody else. If it's your name that's on the uh, on the uh, door of the office, if you know it's on the business card, it goes. You get the the benefits, but those are the the backside of that that goes with it. So, anyways, you know what? We can keep talking about this. Let me let me talk about it with you. I'm gonna go to the phone lines right here, caller. You're first up on the sports fix where them Indians swept the White Sox for the weekend. How you doing? Oh, hey, Rock. Big Daddy, how do you like them young Indians and that young pitching staff, baby? Yeah, absolutely. Are we something or what? I'll tell you what, man. You got to love it. Again, listen, Chicago, 
Chicago is definitely down the tubes. I, I will gladly remind everybody of that. They've now lost 14 of their last 18, but... As I said, you, that's, you have to. You have to win those games. And you don't just win two out of three. You have to sweep them. And they're going to need another sweep in the next week or two to make up for losing three out of four to Detroit. Because now you've got to win three, three in a row. Three in a row here and there to keep on that two out of three pace. Two out of three pace. But they once again, they did that here. You mess things up a little bit. So you go out and you, you can't change it. You can't get the Detroit game back. You can't get the ninth inning pitch back but you can go out there and you can sweep Chicago and you can keep moving ahead stellar stellar performances by our young Indian starters at home in September taking care of business I don't care if Chicago White Sox were in last place second right. to last first place taking care of business and that's what we're doing now I'll tell you what today, you- now today in yeah. what 40 minutes we got a chance to show the baseball world what the young Indians are made of today with the Angels. And we're going I'll to tell you that. what, I was, I was just about to bring that up, and, and what, a, what a good uh, matchup there if you're, if you're looking at what's heading up here for the Indians uh, when you get Danny Salazar going back out there for the Indians. Uh, we know, what did he do the last time that he, that he went out there and pitched? Oh, he just, you know, went the distance for his first complete game shutout. On the other side, you got a 16-game winner in Jared Weaver. So you've got a hell of a pitching matchup coming up here, as you Absolutely. said, just about 40 Absolutely. minutes from now live. And we got to beat their best, and that's what we're going to do. And by the way, Danny, I love those stirrups. I love those old stirrup style on the mound. Hopefully you're going to bring those old stirrups today, baby. I'm with it, my man. And you know what? Let's end this homestand. You know what I'm saying? Let's get this thing taken care of. Let's get thirty to 35,000 out there today, J-Rock. Let's pump up those Indian fans. I don't know about that. On the Mon- I love you, Bob. I love you, Bob, but I don't know about that on sure, Monday this afternoon. This show should be but... right there in Cleveland, right at the stadium, baby. No, Big I hear Daddy, you. Daddy, this is where the sports fix should have been today. I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, Big Bob. <laughs> I got to let you go. Okay, brother. Big hey, Bob. listen. All starts with baseball, Cleveland. I said this time time again. All begins with baseball in that beautiful town of Cleveland. Let's get 35,000 out there at the ballpark today, people. All right, man. I love your optimism. Love you, J-Rock. Bye-bye. I love your optimism, Big Bob. Uh, yeah, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe thirty-five thousand people take off work and go hit up the mid-afternoon unscheduled game here this afternoon, perhaps. You know, but uh, I don't care what the attendance is today. I just want the Indians to go out there and take care of business. You know, you've got to go out there, win this game here, get yourself set up to hit the end. And this is what I was going to there. Get yourself set up to hit the end of this homestand. You've got Minnesota coming here. You've got to keep it moving here. And uh, and the Indians, I'm up against the break here. I'm going to come right back and keep the conversation going. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But the Indians take care of business. They sweep the White Sox. As we said, you put yourself right back in the conversation uh, within, I don't care, I'm going to say four games even though the record book says five. You're within four games in the division. You're three and a half back of the second wild card. You're what? Uh, I don't have the, the first wild card number in front of me, but I think it's five game, five or six games. You're five or six back of Oakland there at the top of that. So uh, just saying, all options on the table for the Indians. And later on, Dan Wismar is going to join us. I know that he's going to have some things to say here, and I'm just waiting I'm just waiting to hear from Mike Brandenberry some more. We've been back and forth about this Team of Destiny thing all weekend, man. He's still not buying. I don't know if you're buying, Cleveland, but I'm telling you that I'm going to keep selling it to you. It's coming. It's coming down the pike, my friends. It is absolutely coming to fruition, but you just got to keep it up. And it really is. All joking aside, a hell of a baseball matchup today. I mean, Weaver and Salazar, that's going to be a good one there. And, uh, again, B- Big Bob set it up best. You got to go out there and beat their best. Go out there and take care of a 16-game winner here. And, like I said, I'm not done talking Tribe. We're going to take a break here. We'll talk more about that with Dan Wismar in Hour 2 when we come back. We're all over the place. Big weekend. A lot of things to cover. Let's take a break. Let's get that out of the way. When we come back... Let's talk a little football. Browns football. I see you guys already jumping ahead of me in the chat room, switching the conversation on me. So I'm going to follow your lead here, and we're going to switch it over. Uh, The tale of, man, the tale of two everythings yesterday is the best way that I can put it, you guys. I mean, you talk talk about a schizophrenic performance there because we were on the verge of some record woes, I think, man. I mean, I think even the most diehard optimist, uh, Browns-loving, Kool-Aid-drinking, whatever you want to call it, even they may have been standing a bit close to the ledge at halftime, down 24 points on the road with nothing offensively going for you, and players getting banged up left and right. Jordan Cameron, of course. I mean, how Cleveland? They, they won offensive weapon that you're going, oh man, he can big 50-yard, oh, he got banged up on the play. Well, okay, let's see what happens. And it bogs down, and then nobody can tackle, and it's just miserable, miserable at halftime. I, I just felt myself looking at the team. It was like, did this just happen? Like, now I know what it feels like when the bell rings and you were facing Mike Tyson. You were going out there back in the, in the Tyson days. And you were you trained for 10 weeks for this thing. You were in shape. You've been running miles every day. You show up like, I think I can beat Mike Tyson. Matter of fact, I think that was a song. I think I can beat Mike Tyson. You hit the ring. You're all trained up and ready to go. Bam. 30 seconds later, they're waking you up in the locker room. And you're like, damn, Mike Tyson hits hard, man. That's what it felt like for me at halftime yesterday. I'm like, man. 
what happened. And matter of fact, I switched my location, headed over to a buddy's house to watch the second half of the game. And I'm thinking, when I got the when I got the the invitation, I'm going, you know what? I gotta go because let's at least change the environment so at least I'm gonna be around some people and we can uh, we can at least commiserate together. So I headed out, switched locations at halftime. Bam. Second half, and, and here's the best part. We'll we'll pick this up when we come back. Manziel comes out with the helmet on. I'm getting text messages. He's coming in. He's coming to he's coming to save the day. And I'm like, listen, if you think he's coming to save the day after what I just saw, you're nuts. If he comes in, it's gonna be just as bad as what we just saw. I don't know what they can do in the second half. And then they did it. And then where were you when the Browns stormed back from 24 points down in Pittsburgh only? Only to lose at the end, you know, which who cares when we looked at and what I I don't mean who cares that they lost. I mean, who cares that I predicted that that was the way the Browns would lose when I said it on Friday. I said I thought they have a hard fought game and I thought they their youth and their inexperience. Pittsburgh has one more in them than Cleveland does. And I said 20 to 17. They lose on a field goal. Add a couple of a couple of scores to each side. It was a little higher than I thought. Maybe that played out, but I'm saying, who cares? I could care less about being right or wrong about that. Showed some heart. And I like that. But you know what else I like? I like the fact that Mike Pettin said, I don't care. I don't care about showing heart. This is win or lose. This is pass or fail. We're not getting A's and B's and C's and D's. We're getting pass or fail, and we failed. I like that, but... There is some good we can take of that, too. Let's talk about that when we come back. And let's talk about, for once, um, how long has it been that that halftime adjustments don't happen in Cleveland? Now, you got some guys. You got Brian Hoyer and Dante Whitner and Joe Hayden and Carlos Dansby who grabbed players by the jerseys at halftime yesterday and said, is this how you want to look? Is this how you want to be remembered? Let's get out there and play some ball, and and by damn, you'd be amazed what happened. Coaches said, man, don't put that on us. We didn't just go out there and, and fire them up. They did that. The leaders did that. It's been a long time since the Browns have looked better in the second half than they did in the first half. Almost traditionally, they look worse after halftime. They never make good adjustments. So that's something to talk about. When we come back, let's do it. Talking Browns, Steelers, when we come back. Live on the Sports Fix. This is the Sports Fix. Are you talking to me? Yes. Are you talking to me? Yes. Are you talking to me? Yes. Hey, call me Mr. Pig! Ah! <laughs> call you whatever you like, as long as we can call you a fan of the Sports Fix. Guys, want to take just a second as we head into this break and remind you about the official business printing source of the Sports Fix, our friends at Signs and Ship. Signs and Ship, I'm telling you, Chris and Pam, they've taken care of me since day one, and they can do the same for you. Whether you're a small business that's 
already been established and you're looking to grow to that next level and expand your business, or perhaps you've got an idea that you just know is going to be a great business and you need to figure out how to brand it and how to promote it and put it out there, Signs and Ship is the place for you. If you need a logo, they can create one for you. They have a fantastic graphic designer. Business cards, signs, banners, yard signs, mobile advertising, anything you can think of that you need to promote your business, they've got it at Signs and Ship. The best thing about them, too, is each of their locations, whether it's the home base here in Elyria, Ohio that I work with, or their spots in Virginia, Florida, and Pennsylvania. It's all local sourced. Very important to me because we all understand that small business is the lifeblood of the community. So check them out, signsandship.com, or call Chris and Pam today, 440-323-6060, the home office in Elyria, Ohio. Signs and Ship, quality printing at affordable prices. Hey everybody, this is Jerry the King Lawler from WWE, and you're listening to The Sports Fix. There's heritage, and then there's birthright. The passing down of important things. We're talking about something deeper than nostalgia. We are proud. The C is for Cleveland and courage and comeback. No matter who we are before, when we put it on, we stand on common ground. This season, it's about unfinished business. Get ready. Here comes the tribe. Sports Fix listeners, like us on Facebook today. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. You love Cleveland, and you already know how much we love Cleveland. You know who else loves Cleveland? GV Art and Design. Everyday fans, you and I wear our pride on our sleeves. Now, you can wear your pride on your chest. GV Art and Design has one of the hottest Cleveland sporting lines. Log on right now to GVArtwork.com. Check out all of their fantastic designs. And don't forget, use the sales code 610 fix 10 to save 10% on your total purchase. Follow GVArtwork.com on Facebook, and remember, GV Art and Design, it's not just a shirt is a statement portions of the sports fix brought to you by quick lane at valley ford truck home of the low price tire guarantee quicklane.com slash valley ford truck Welcome back to the Sports Fix Live across the Sports Fix Radio Network. J-Rock back with you here as we roll on to the show. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan, or excuse me, yeah, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan joins us just about 30 minutes from now. John McMullen from the Sports Network joins us to talk some Browns and NFL 10 minutes from now, but I'm going to set the stage here with a small segment. And you know what? Separate ways is kind of fitting because it was it was to, a tale of two. A tale of two everything yesterday as we set it up before the break, talking about that and uh, the, the, the depths of desperation at halftime. And then, bam, they flipped the switch. And I, I got to tell you, and I'm going to say this in the not trying to be the guy that says, oh, well, you know, at least we didn't lose it was really bad. It was close. I'm not saying that. Damn, man. Didn't it feel good in the second half watching that football game? Forget how. Yeah, I got it. You lost at the end of the game. But around the beginning of the fourth quarter, I looked at the cats I'm watching the game with. And I said, how long has it been since Browns football has just been fun? Fun to watch like this, like where you're going, man. This is this is all right, man. Like I can I can deal with this, man. And uh, 
What a turnaround, just unexpected, as I said, from what you saw in the first half to the second. Phone lines are ringing, 216-539-7535, 216-539-7535. Facebook, Twitter, email, facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Email us, the sports fix at AOL.com, and we're talking Browns and Steelers, and the record book will tell you at the end of the day, that the Browns lost 30-27, to 27, and some record books won't even tell you that. They'll just tell you that the Browns lost and the Steelers won. And I'm going to start with what I mentioned before the break. I love that Mike Pettin didn't spend a half a second taking any compliments after the game. I listened very intently to every word that he spoke after that game. He wasn't in the mood for moral victories, for congratulations on anything. And he made sure to, to make that clear to the players as well. Of course, there's learning and teachable moments. That's that's part of what you do. That's your job. Of course, there's things that you're going to take out of this, and we'll talk about some of them that are positive as well as the negatives that you take out of this. But I love the fact that unlike some other coaches that we've had, he didn't quickly tell you, all the things that we did right in the middle of of a bad loss. How many times have we had guys who will sit there and act like they weren't watching the same game that you were watching, you know? And you know what else? He never once had to check the tape. He did, Amazing how he didn't have to check the tape on anything. He knew exactly how guys did. Hey, what'd you think about this? I, he didn't have to check the tape. And last I checked, he had a, the same vantage point as the last couple of coaches, but they were some tape checking sons of guns but anyways i just like the responsibility the man up that he that he took after the game and he was given opportunities to uh, and you know what the media boy they tripped me out man he sn- with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Left it out quick too. It was a, there was exactly one, one, one attempt to bring Manzel into the post game conversation. It was, coach. At any point, did you think about bringing Manzel in because of the way the first half went? No. Next question. Moved on and shut that down quickly because, and you know what? I will mention that off to the side real fast. Man, every pregame show everywhere. I could not believe how much pregame material, video, time, and hype across ESPN, NFL Network, CBS, all of them was wasted on destroying the the myth that Brian Hoyer was a quarterback and that he was only a placeholder for the actual quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I hope, if for nothing else, I hope that that stupid conversation is over. And this has nothing to do with John Manziel. Just plain and simple. If you are still looking for the Browns to switch the quarterback, I don't know what you think is coming off of the bench, but I guarantee you it's not going to be better than what you saw in the second half of that game yesterday. And I'm not just talking about performance, which was spot on in the second half. I'm talking about leadership and drive. Did you hear the way the locker room talked after the game about Brian Hoyer because how long it's been since the Browns have had a quarterback on the sideline who grabbed guys by the shoulder pads offense and defense and fired them up and got them going. If you don't think 
that that played a part in that comeback, you're crazy. That comeback wasn't just because the Browns were executing better in the second half. It wasn't just because guys were were focused a little bit more. It was because of motivation, leadership, and being fired up. And I don't care if we're talking about Colt McCoy or Brandon Whedon or any quarterback you want to name, Jason Campbell. These cats were spending sitting on the sidelines with their hands in their hand warmers, listening in their headphones, thinking to themselves, these cats weren't on the sideline being leaders. These guys weren't out there doing the stuff that a, a, a motivator does. And not just them, as I said, not just there, but in the locker room with the defense as well. Look at the names that were listed on defense. Yeah, Joe Hayden's here, but Dans- Dansby, Whitner. What do you? What, that's one of the reasons that you bring them here is for that right there to go around and say, "Listen, this is not acceptable," you know. And so again, it's hard for me to go too far with all of that because we did lose the game, and that's the part that sucks. But I mean, it would have been the biggest comeback in Browns history had they completed it. Twenty points was the uh, previous high for a Browns comeback. There would have been, and again, it fell short at the end. Justin Gilbert falls down. Brown just. That's what a veteran team does. They know with 45 seconds left how to get one more play than the other team. And they did that. And they got one more play, and they won the game at the end. But to me, you don't come out of that game with your head down. But you don't come out of that game high-fiving people either. You come out of that game going, you, you learn a lot from the way you started that game. You don't get yourself in that hole. And then maybe you don't have to dig yourself out of that in the second half. But I'll tell you what, they found out a couple of things. Anybody that doubted it, the Browns have a quarterback. Anybody that doubted it, the Browns have a couple of running backs. We hadn't even touched on that yet. Ben Tate banged up in his first game. In comes Crowell and Tate, and they take care of business. Tate becomes the first rookie uh, uh, making his debut to get 100 yards since Larry Mason, who wasn't even an actual NFL player. He was a strike replacement player back in 87. It's been that long since a Browns rookie did that in his debut. And, you know, all, all Crowell did is show up and score touchdowns, baby. So the Browns showed some good things. At the same, they showed some bad things when they went down that many points in the first half when they were getting sliced through like a hot knife through. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was looking like the second coming of Walter. He had triple digits on both sides of the uh, of the ledger with passing and running, and we can get into all of that too. Got to clean those things up. Justin Gilbert better better learn from these things. You know, he got a little tweaked at it being called a learning experience, but it was, and he needs to learn from that. He needs to continue to improve, but. Again, I still find it hard not to take solace in that second half because, damn, man, I mean, how many times would the Browns have done that? You know what I mean? How many times would the Browns have done that in the past? That That's a, that's a rollover right there. That's a get beat 42-3, to 42-9, 10. You get a late garbage touchdown, you know? That's that's not what the Browns did, and that should give you hope. That should give you reason to believe that this team can be better than people thought. And let's add one more layer to that because yesterday reports are all over on every network. Browns potentially, and I'm not buying it just yet, potentially get Josh Gordon back when he was not a part of the equation. I will say this. All bets are off, and I will have to re-go through the whole panel Josh Gordon gets re-added to this Browns team and they can play the way they did in the second half, 
all bets are off on what you can do potentially this season within limitations, of course. But I just think that they showed a lot more than people thought was there. And in the passing game, too, I thought they showed a lot more than people thought were there, especially when you realize what they did in the second half. They did it without Cameron and without Tate. So let's talk about all of that. I'm going to go to the phones. I've got time for a quick phone call. Then we'll get a break. We'll get the news. We'll get John McMullen in, and we'll get his take on all of this. Caller, where are you at with the Browns and the Steelers in week one? J-Rock Daddy. LG, what's happening, baby? Where are you at, man? I know you were watching this thing down at where you, South I'll Carolina. I'll tell you one thing right now, J-Rock. You know, the first half, you hit, it, you hit it right in between the nutsack. To see a Cleveland Browns football team Ouch. go into the locker room during halftime and come out and, and, and make positive second-half adjustments, I got to tell you, I don't even remember the last time that happened with a Cleveland Browns football team. Me too. Some of the coaches we've had in the past. That's Me the too. one positive thing I want to talk about. The other positive thing I want to talk about was the, the, the performance. You know, you, you heard some comparisons about Tom Brady and Brian Hoyer. Maybe they don't compare on the football field with the physical attributes that Brady brings to the New England Patriots, but the leadership abilities that this Brian Hoyer picked up from Tom Brady. I've seen Tom Brady grabbing players by the jersey in the huddle. Now you're telling me that Hoyer was grabbing these guys in the locker room by the jerseys. That's Tom Brady-like leadership, and that's what this Cleveland Browns football team really needs. And anybody that's still nuts enough to think that Johnny Manziel would have made any difference in that football game yesterday really should have their head examined, J-Rock. You know, you, you, you talked about how bad the defense showed up in the first half of the football game. And I tell you, the defensive side of the ball was something I didn't think we had to worry about. But my goodness, missed tackles, blown assignments. Aiden gets burned for a touchdown. Where's the shutdown corner that signed that big contract? I, I can remember you. at least once a game in the last three games, a big play was needed to be stopped by Joe Hayden, and Joe Hayden screwed the pooch. And Jacksonville beat us last year, yesterday, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, come on, man. Cover your man. Stick to him like glue. Play the football. All he had to do was turn around, J-Rock, that I guarantee you he would have deflected that pass, and we wouldn't have been in such a large deficit going into the half. No, I hear you. That's something that, that we definitely are going to talk about here this week. And I said, you know, for Justin Gilbert, there was a you matter of fact, you texted me and said, who is that that got beat? I said, I know it was lockdown, man. But uh, that's something, that, you know, you don't make that money. No, no. Hey, man, you don't make the, you don't you make that money. You got to step up and make those plays, you know, and Antonio you Brown. You reputation, you know what I'm saying? Antonio you can't, Brown you can't made, get burned like that. And, and just think about last year, J-Rock, when we were horrified. All they had to do was stop the pass with Jacksonville BS. Remember that? Who got burnt in? Locked down again. Remember? I, I understand. We've had these discussions. I like Joe Hayden. I'm just not in yeah. the Joe Hayden is lockdown category. I don't I, I don't never go was. That, you know? I never was, and I wrote a multitude of articles. If you go back to your archives on Cleveland Sports three sixty dot com like you're gonna see there's no way I ever thought Joe Hayden was a, a shutdown corner. In the I NFL. like him. I think Joe Hayden can be a part of a great tandem or trio of cornerbacks that work together. I just he to me he's not 
Darrell Revis. He's not a put him on an island by themselves and they're going to lock one guy up and take him out of the game. Yes, he can do that with certain number one receivers, but not all of the number one receivers as we've seen. But, you know, and that's something there. And, and we'll talk about that too. But And, and unfortunately, know, there's guys in the AFC North that are a problem for the Cleveland Browns. And one of those guys is A.J. Green down in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. always has a hard time dealing with him. They're but i got to tell you another thing. Cut and cut 12 defensive backs on this team for a reason. I hope before we take on the New Orleans Saints, who are going to come to Cleveland with a chip on their shoulder after the terrible loss they suffered at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons yesterday, that's going to be one peed-off football team, J-Rock Daddy. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to stick to those receivers like Blue because you know nobody takes your defense apart better than Drew Brees, man. Yeah, so get ready test, for next week. Know. This Cleveland Browns is going to have to suck it up. I don't know what we're going to do to make sure we can cover these receivers, but there's no way we can rely on Justin Gilbert. He's just not NFL ready yet. LG, my man, I'm gonna with that, I'm gonna take it myself. Thank you for the phone call, my man. We'll talk some more this week as we look to New Orleans. Okay, brother. Keep up you the positive it. thoughts. Maybe uh maybe this team's gonna come out smoking and they won't uh they won't forget that <laughs> NFL football is sixty minutes long, not thirty. Absolutely. Whether you first quarter, you gotta do all four of them. That's the thing. We've we showed up better in the third and the fourth this week, but we gotta show back up in the first and the second. LG, thank you so much for the call and and, and again he's right because we the Browns are going to have to focus defensively on an offense that's going to come at you from so many dynamic ways passing that the Browns are truly going to have to eat a lot of clock to, I think you got to keep the score down. I don't think that you, not I don't think, I know you don't win a shootout with the Saints, I believe, with this offense. I believe you can put points on the board, but I don't know that you're going to sit here and go 35-42 deep with the Saints. You're better off trying to take time, eat, cut the game in half, cut the game down with the running game, which we've seen they have the ability to do. But, yeah, man, Hayden, Gilbert, all those guys are going to have to come up big because Drew Brees, if there's weaknesses in your defense, he's going to find them all day long. And you're going to have to jack up your pressure, too, because you're going to have to be in his face all day long, making him make those quick decisions as well. Definitely stuff. But that's looking ahead to New Orleans and what's coming back here. And before I'm going to take the break, then we're going to get John McMullen on here. One last comment I saw in the chat room, and Charles, great point there. I, I heard some people, and I got hit up with this yesterday, that uh, – that goof from the morning show that does, uh, um, that does, uh, that does, you know, whatever here on the FM dial and, and, uh, does some TV stuff after the game. Did it actually say that Mike Pettin blew the game by not putting Manzel in at halftime? Yeah. Yeah. That was the difference maker. That was the difference. You've got to be kidding. What kind of an idiot? And these people get not only paid, not only get paid, but get put front and center. As if, uh, as if you have a brain in your head. I'll say it. I'm, I'm not. A, I don't care. You know, come knock on my door and start a fight. I dare you to. Chuck Booms is the most garbage broad. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcaster in, I think, the history of Cleveland sports radio broadcasting. Who puts that maroon on the radio dial and on the television. I swear. Makes Mary Kay Cabot look like the greatest beat writer in the history of sports, man. I'm telling you. Anyway, Chuck Booms, the reason the Browns lost is because Mike Pettin's so stupid, he didn't put Johnny Manziel in at halftime. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And the flagship station puts you on the air. I tell you, what do I say all the time, guys? I should put it on a t-shirt. Bad sports hosts, bad sports talk creates bad sports fans. I truly, truly believe that. It breeds it. And uh, no better example than Chuck Booms. Come on and check out my bad comedy show. I don't know. I think he mixes up his bad comedy and his bad radio sometimes. You never know what you're going to get with Chuck Booms. Luckily, luckily, I don't wake up at that hour of the day. And if I did, I'd go back to sleep. All right, guys. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, John McMullen from the Sports Network is with us. We're over schedule. I don't care. This is going to be an overtime show it's football monday we're talking indian sweep navy or the buckeyes they beat navy they lost to virginia tech we got the browns and the steelers and ray rice so much to get into don't go anywhere here comes some news and john mcmullen from the sports network coming up next here on the sports fix this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into The Sports Fix. We'll be right back. It's an addiction. The Sports Fix. We'll be right back. Business owners and professionals, do you want to take your business, your product, your team, your event to the next level? You want to advertise right here with the Sports Fix. Our listeners are among the most loyal listeners, terrestrial or internet. The Sports Fix universe is not only the radio show, but tens of thousands of fans on Facebook and Twitter. Email me, Jerry Myers, the Sports Fix at AOL.com. That's the Sports Fix at AOL.com. And let me help you swing for the fences and hit it out of the park right here on the Sports Fix. Whether it's an oil change, Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck has you covered. They're your neighborhood quick service experts. They also offer a low price tire guarantee. June tires at Valley Ford will Monday through Thursday until now, so you can check it off your to-do list and get on with your service lounge and additional service bay. Just Lane at Valley Ford Truck is located at 5715 Canal Road, just down the road from Independence. 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. Come see why life is better in the Quick Lane. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. That's Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. 
Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Signs and Ship, the official printing source of the Sports Fix. Locations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Florida. Find out more at signsandship.com. Good morning, I'm Bob Picozzi. We have a developing story from the NFL this morning. New video shows Ravens running back Ray Rice delivering a vicious punch to the face of his then-fiance, Janae Palmer, in a February 15th when the NFL gave Rice only a two-game suspension evidence, which the police had. The her head on the elevator handrail, knocking her out cold. On the field, week one will conclude with a Monday night doubleheader. Eastern time on ESPN, New York coach Tom's weapons. They have players to match each other with Reggie Bush and Calvin Johnson. They're extremely explosive. Now with Golden Tate, who can run the kickoffs and punch back if they so desire to put him back there. But they're skilled and, uh, you know. Johnson was third in the NFL in receiving yards last season. In the second game, San Diego visits Arizona 10-20 Eastern. The 10th seed, K. Nishikori, and the 14th seed, Marin Cilic, in the finals at the U.S. Open tonight in New York. There's nothing worse than trudging to the store for overpriced razors, so don't do it. Join DollarShaveClub.com and get the world's best razors delivered right to your door for a few bucks a month. That's DollarShaveClub.com. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Welcome back to The Sports Fix Live across the Sports Fix radio network. That's right. Can't touch this. J-Rock back with you here as we roll on. Actually, that was the... uh, Actually, I got the Rick James. See, there you go, man. I'm all over the place here. Welcome back in. J-Rock back with you as we roll on heading into our two of the sports fix and a lot still on tap. John McMullen from the sports network is on the lines. He's coming with you momentarily. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fam coming up in hour two. We'll talk about the Ohio state Buckeyes lost to Virginia tech and where they go from here and talk to Browns and Steelers and Indians with him tribe sweep baby. As we talked about at the start of the show, but right now we're going to keep the conversation going focused on the NFL and the Browns and the Steelers in week one. And of course, as you heard during the break, and as I definitely talked about at the start of the show, Ray Rice as well. Can't wait to talk to John. You can't get in on the phones, but you keep it rolling with us on Facebook and Twitter and email. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Email us the sports fix at AOL.com. I'm going to the phone lines. My man, John McMullen from the Sports Network with us every Monday talking NFL and a, a great one here as we've got a ton of week one action to talk. And just when we thought we may have been done talking about just the off the field part and maybe switching to the on the field. No, no, no. More uh, to talk about there. But let's do it with John McMullen from the Sports Network. John, how you doing this morning? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Well, thanks for being here, my man. Come on, you got to be doing better than well. It's the first Monday of the football season. You got your football fix all weekend long. How you feeling? Week one, almost in the books? Almost. You know, uh, once you get into the season, you know, I'm, I'm uh, and then, of course, with the Ray Rice stuff this morning, it's, it's kind of a whirlwind, so it's not as exciting for just a uh, 
fan paying attention to one team. <laughs> hey, man, I'm feeling good in general. A lot of great NFL games to talk about, but I want to put the football aside, and I hate to do this because I was hoping to just fire up and start talking some football with us, but got to put that aside. As we talked about to open up the show, and as you just mentioned, the Ray Rice video that comes out, and I we had a lot of people that played devil's advocate and tried to uh, use the, uh, well, you don't know what happened. None of us know what really happened. That's out the window there man to uh to for lack of a better phrase it doesn't exist as now everybody knows what happened in that elevator and i think the onus i'll start it with you here clearly on the nfl i don't want to hear about double jeopardy or any of that stuff the nfl cannot allow ray rice to return to the baltimore ravens one week from now after what is floating out there this morning yeah you know it's a tough uh, position to be in, obviously, and and you know I, for one, I, I mean I'm taking the attack. I think people are are kind of centering on the NFL, and I understand why. Uh, but I, there there are other there are other aspects to this story, and I think really uh, we have to shine a light on the the NFL Players Association because they're involved, and also the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, for some yeah. reason. Uh, people have kind of given them a pass, and if anything, if anything, I think they're they're more to blame in this type of situation than even the NFL as a whole. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here, because obviously there's a tipping point in the society we're in, and I don't see how he can come back and play for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I, if I were the Ravens, I would I would release him. Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, and if I were uh, even the NFL Players Association and 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 even even Ray Rice's camp, I, I think they have to understand where they are in this particular process. Uh, process, and and it's just not feasible to move forward uh, with everything that came out this morning. And you know, I, I I would like to get in in into some larger issues as a whole. I, I, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily fair the way people pile on in instances like this, but that's a discussion for another time. Uh I think, you know, the NFL and the Baltimore Ravens simply can't move forward uh with what has come out. I agree with you. And I, you know what? You went farther than a lot of people are willing to, but I like it. I'm very much a, I, I'm very much against domestic violence in general. And I say, and you've heard me say it, I think when you involve athletes and, and high-level athletes and, and very uh, you know performance-driven people, I, I, I know it's sexist to say it, but with size differences and different, I mean, it's a different beast than, to me, civilians. I think you, you add another layer, especially the NFL, because it's a – a physicality driven business and a, and an athletics and size and you know you know what I'm saying I think there's people's hands are truly a weapon I think when you're 
athletic for a very physical sport, then I think that that kind of that same thought process applies. So it, to me, it's even more egregious than it would be uh, in standard situations. But to say that Baltimore should let him loose, I haven't heard a lot of people willing to go that far, but I'm with you there. Um, and of course, the first thing a fan goes is no way that happens because there's, you know, there's no way that every team's going to stand arm in arm in collusion and say, we're not going to pick this guy up. Somebody's going to say, well, we've got to give him a second chance. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not sure, you know, it's it's our position to say he shouldn't get a second chance. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, the NFL has handled the situation so poorly, and, and the Ravens on top of it, I think that's part of the issue, and, and that's where I come to that conclusion. Um, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for Ray Rice, nor should they. Anyone who saw that video... Uh, you know, it's horrendous. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I think a lot of the penalty aspect of it has to do with the uh, with the general public's reaction to it. Uh, in, in other words, you know, everyone knew what happened before this video came out. Uh, everyone yeah. understood, certainly the NFL understood, certainly the Ravens did, the Atlantic City Police Department. I was aware, I was told a video existed that showed this, and if I'm aware of it, I was uh, the told NFL that too. was certainly aware of it, uh, yep. no matter what they say. Uh, so all this was already known uh, by the participants, by the parties. Uh, and, and this, you know, the disingenuous part is that this is only being brought up because the video is now out, uh, out for public consumption. Uh, and, you know... That part of it I don't like, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that he did what he did uh, and he deserves to pay for it. I'm not a big fan, as I said, of piling on and, and, and these, you know, uh, people trying to feel better about themselves by, uh, by you know, getting up on their soapbox and, and, and throwing the moral compass out there because, I, you know, there's a lot of NFL players tweeting uh, harsh things. Uh, and, you know, they're a part of the same players association that uh, does everything humanly possible to try to mitigate suspensions and things of that nature. And, and I don't see them criticizing uh, the players association. And they wouldn't have criticized the players association in this instance unless this video came out. Uh, so that part of it I don't like. But again, you know, it's very difficult to feel sorry for Ray Rice. No, at all. I agree with you. And I think I think the next few days are going to be very interesting to see how the NFL reacts. I mean, it's the public relations aspect of it, too. I mean, I'm sure you, just like down as you speak, just kind of rolling down my... I mean, it's, I'm sure you're inundated with the same thing. It's, uh, you know, guys are out for pot, and then this video is going out there. And what? tell me that the NFL didn't see, didn't see it. I believe that they're just mad that they just now... It's released, and now they have to acknowledge its, its existence because before they could act like it wasn't... It, nobody had seen that video yet and like I said because I was hit with people and I was even hit by other broadcasters that said well we don't know what happened in that elevator and I'm like but I was told that the police have the video and it shows him punching her in the face and knocking her out so we don't have it 
But this is what I'm told exists. And people are like, well, you know, until you've seen it, until we can verify it, they'll say anything. You never know. And I'm so you always had that. It's like we talk about the the drug policy and how they're not able to verify. So people can hide behind that and say, well, I, I took bad cough syrup and it, it caused me to lose my season, you know, and they're able to hide behind it. I think the NFL in many ways was able to hide behind that. And like you said, now it's not that they didn't see it and it's not that they didn't know. It's that now they have to acknowledge it because now everybody's seen it and everybody knows yeah you know those those are people who who defended it by not seeing it uh the actual tape they they were just you know rationalizing and, and people uh tend to do that and and that's fine um but you know <laughs> if you're in a casino just understand that every single uh uh crook and cranny is on videotape so <laughs> you know that. Uh, the nfl the nfl certainly knew that and, and i'll even take them at their word uh and say they didn't see the video but they were certainly aware of its existence uh, and, and they, they certainly didn't it. try very hard to acquire uh the videotape because anyone who knows anything about the nfl security department knows it's full of, uh, you know, ex FBI agents, FBI, ex detectives, yes, ex police, yes. uh, and they're very, very well connected. And if they wanted a copy of that tape, they could have gotten it. Uh, but I'll take them at their word. I, I don't think they fought very hard to see it, but they were aware of its existence. That's just, that part of it's just not plausible. If I knew it existed, they certainly knew it existed. I mean, how do you not think it's so, going to hit the public nowadays? I mean, in 2014, when everything, I mean, Donald Sterling surely didn't think that he was being recorded in his house talking to his mistress or whatever, and now he doesn't have a basketball team. In 2014, how could you not think that video was not going to surface? You should have just went on the assumption that this thing's going to be out there tomorrow. Well, yeah, and that's the part that I don't understand. And any time... You're in a situation like this, and, and any time you're, you're talking about a leader, and it could be the NFL commissioner, it could be a congressman, senator, all the way up to the president of the United States, uh, the one thing you don't know is what advice they are getting. Uh, but understanding you know, how successful the NFL is and how good the PR people are at their jobs and how good the legal department is at their jobs, I think Roger Goodell got prudent advice. Uh, I think he ignored it uh, and went the way he went. Um, you know, but again, that's just a guess uh, because any anyone yeah. uh, with any public relations chops and any legal chops would have first told them, uh, you know, this is not a good idea, and certainly they would have told them what you said. In today's day and age, uh, this. <laughs> Is eventually, it's just a matter of time, it's a matter of when, it's a matter of who does it. But it was going to leak. Uh, and I'm sure he was given that for whatever reason. You. He ignored it. Uh, and, you know, and that's the part of this that that is so incredibly difficult and, and why I point people towards the NFLPA, because they're getting a, a clean, you know, pretty much a clean break on this and and this is the commissioner they wanted uh, a guy who would look at a situation and say 
while Ray Rice had never gotten in trouble before, uh, listened to his, you know, then fiance, now wife, who, who defended him, uh, and, you know, erred on the side of, of, uh, in only the, the two game suspension and the, and the three games with pay. Uh, so, you know, I think people need to look more at the NFL PA and more at the Baltimore Ravens themselves because the Ravens, you know, if John Harbaugh wants to send a, a, a message, I said, well, the organization, first of all, they could cut him at any time. It's not like he's coming off a great. They didn't want to cut him. They could certainly deactivate him. Uh, they don't have to uh, say, well, the NFL handled it. Uh, they could refuse to play him. They could cut him. Uh, so there are many reasons, again, not to defend Roger Goodell, uh, but people tend to just focus on him. Uh, there, are, there are many more chains in this story, and every single one of them seems to be a weak link. I agree with you. I blasted the Ravens when they uh, participated, not only participated, but facilitated that press conference where they helped put it together, and they were tweeting quotes from the victim taking responsibility for it being her fault, you know? And I'm going, how is the Ravens, how is the NFL not calling somebody right now and saying, get these off your Twitter feed? What the hell are you guys doing right now? Because it was it was like they were working in concert with him to be a public relations shield, and I could not believe that that was officially coming from a team's uh, Twitter account. And let me tell you, you're talking about other people who are, are going to be or should be in the crossfire here besides Goodell. And I'm already seeing it coming. A lot of a lot of people now hitting on Atlantic City's prosecutor for deciding not to file the charges initially against Ray Rice when that's beyond the NFL. They clearly have access to everything. I see tweets up and down my timeline, people retweeting the phone number and, and uh, having people call and email and complain and and there, there's another well, that, you know, that, you and know, let me just jump in there because that part of it, I, I disagree immensely with people, and I, I think they're showing their, you know, if this wasn't Ray Rice, I, you know, I applaud people against domestic violence, I applaud them, but if this wasn't Ray Rice, those same people wouldn't care. This happens every day across this country where men attack women, and they're putting pre-trial programs. That is not rare by any stretch of any imagination. So you could go to Atlantic City and look at that prosecutor. I'm sure he has done that time and time and time again. And none of these people who are acting outraged care if it's Joe Smith. They only care because of the name and it's Ray Rice. So that part of it I don't like. Uh, This is certainly not rare in, in our legal system about putting first-time offenders for domestic abuse in, in the pretrial diversion programming. It wasn't a, a, a rare case at all. Uh, it happens every day. And, and the only reason uh, some of these people are, are jumping on their soapbox is because it's a high-profile NFL player. And that tells you, at the, at, the, at the core of it, they could care less about domestic abuse. They just care about coming off as a... Uh, you know, as a moral authority uh, when when people are listening to them talk. 
Oh, I understand that aspect of it, too. I know where you're coming from as far as that, as far as a lot of the people. But we get that no matter what it is. The people that find the cause of the day and they, they jump in on it, the, the steam is off of it, and they'll jump onto that. When I get that side of it, too, I know just begun. Here's, you know, I don't know, ESPN, I just saw a tweet that said, Lewis is going to be on Monday Night Countdown to discuss Ray Rice. And I'm like, well, there you go. There, Let's just mix all kinds of combustible elements together here man i mean i don't know if i would have went with ray lewis to discuss this but hey whatever <laughs> well I'm just yeah, saying, that's they built point. him a statue uh, man but, and that's uh, a whole other you know. john that's a whole other argument but they built him a statue and and i've got my own feelings about ray lewis too yeah and rightfully so i mean you know we all know what ray lewis was accused of doing uh and you know, you're right. He's a hero in that town. They built him a statue. Uh, went out as a Super Bowl champion. Legend. He'll be a Hall of Famer. And, you know, we we always talk, people always talk about second chances. And, you know, to a large degree, it's lip service because I, I don't think anyone is talking about second chances for Ray Rice today. They might bring it up later down the line. I believe he deserves a second chance. I believe he 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 deserves to play in the NFL again if he does everything he should do uh, as far as the pretrial uh, intervention and things like that. Uh, and when I advocate the Ravens cutting him, uh, it, it it more has to do with the fact that they have, have to acquiesce. You know, the people with the and that's their fault. Uh, to be perfect, no one's going to feel sorry for Ray Rice, nor should they. But part of the reason we're in this situation is because how horribly the NFL and the Ravens and the NFLPA has handled it. Uh, and that Rice finds himself in. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a second chance. You know, whether it's Michael Vick, whether it's, uh, whether it's Ray Lewis, as you mentioned, uh, whether it's Ray Rice, that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Uh, and... I don't think people asking to be banned uh, or barred. You know, I I, I just can't go that far. Uh, I think that's that's just a, a rash emotional decision uh, from people who are not you know stepping back and looking at this entire thing logically. And you know, I think you have to. And I think. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're looking at a league where so many people have gotten in trouble over the years, and allowed uh, 
to have second chances and sometimes third and fourth chances. Uh, I don't think you can sit there and then stamp your foot and say, we're going to draw the line at Ray Rice. And I hear you there. I mean, I just, I think, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of, there's so many intangibles and different things that we can talk about depending on, on how you look at it. I agree with second chances. I think, you know, Mike Vick or, you know, Plaxico guy, you know, Hey man, you, you serve your time. You, a couple years later, if you're still in shape, you get a second chance to go out there and do it. Uh, missing two weeks of action doesn't exactly feel the same to me as earning your second chance. But we, my gut, what does your gut tell you? I'm just, you know, we obviously the next 24 to 48 hours will be interesting uh, with what the NFL does or doesn't do. Knowing the CBA, knowing the video that's out there, knowing the punishment that's I'll tell you happens with this now from this point. This is punishment from the NFL, I think. My gut is there's going to be a change. I, I don't know at what level. Again, it could come from the Ravens. Uh, it, it could come from the league. Uh, it could come from Ray Rice himself uh, if he understands that it's just not plausible for him to return to the field at this particular time. Uh, I think something's going to come down. It's just a matter of, of what angle, and I think that's part of what's being discussed on Park Avenue right now. Uh, is the fact that they're in a uh, a very delicate situation uh, brought in by by their own uh, issues, obviously, uh, because of how, how badly they handled the situation at the beginning. Something's got to give as, as a point. I, I always say there's a tipping point. We've hit that tipping point, and, and the general public just won't accept uh, two games and, and two games only for, for Ray Rice. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we'll have to see what happens here. With, like you said, because I think it could be a combination of both, too. I think it could be. I don't know if it comes from Ray Rice himself, but I do think it could be a combination from the team as well as from the league as well. We'll see, man. Like I said, the next 24, 48 hours will be really interesting to see how the how this goes down and and what ramifications there are going forward. And you know what? Since we're since we've been talking about, you know, suspensions and off the field stuff, the other interesting thing in the air right now, whether you're talking about the Browns, the Broncos, several other teams, we've we've heard all weekend long. Thirty nine players suspended in one way or another to begin the season here. It was clearly something uh, that's that's noticed here and that's a noticeable number here. But uh, looking at the talk that perhaps they get finished, and maybe this is that X factor. When you and I talked about Josh Gordon all summer long and we kept going, what is it that we don't know that the Browns think they know, that Josh Gordon's people think that they know? And we kept coming back to the test and getting it appealed and all of that stuff. But it seems to me that it wasn't that all along. That was people... Uh, reaching the wrong conclusion. I think clearly what everybody was banking on was what what we're talking about now, which is if they get this new policy into effect, then it would change retroactively some of the people's suspensions. And with the talk now that perhaps in the next week or two, yesterday I know uh, Tony Grossi here before the Indians game, one of the local or before the Browns game, one of the beat reporters said that you know it could be as soon as within a, a week here that Josh Gordon may be able to return if if the policy is put into effect, which is really the big X factor. Talk to me a bit about what's truth and what's uh, uh, false here about that and what the odds are that this A, happens, and B, that it changes anybody's suspensions. Uh, 
I think people are jumping the gun. I, okay. I really do. This has been talked about many times before, and it's been leaked uh, that it was close many times before. And I've talked about this numerous times. Uh, I think it's lip service on both ends. I don't, I don't think either side is tremendously uh, uh, hell-bent on getting HGH testing because I think both sides know it's a significant problem. Uh, and they don't want that uh, really out there in the papers every day. Now, uh, the one aspect of it that could help the Browns, could help Josh Gordon, is the fact that, you know, HGH testing is largely a fraud. (laughs) And I don't know how other way to describe it. WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, which is basically a business, uh, and, you know, a business that sells testing uh, to organizations has proclaimed it a, a, a solid test, but that's all it is. It's a proclamation. And I've talked to numerous doctors who, you know, laugh at it and say basically if you take HGH in that morning, they might be able to catch you by noon. Uh, if they don't test you then, you're, you're pretty much good to go. Uh, it, it's such a short detection window. So that's always been my question is why the players are fighting it so hard uh, because they're not going to get caught by it anyway. You know what, though? Uh, Let me jump in, John, just real quick, because I think you and I kind of both, you know, you into some wrestling and I think maybe some MMA. I am too. We have seen, though, and I've heard the same thing because I'm big on that. I know a lot about the uh, – the, the PEDs too as well and I've heard that same thing but you notice that this year more than every year put together they've actually caught a few guys on the HGH testing off not the competition testing either and so it leads me to wonder if maybe they aren't making a few advances there in being able to open that window I've heard that potentially they could get it as far as even 12 to 24 hours after usage which then that does open Open up that game day or game day before testing or day. I mean, we've seen they've gotten Sonnen and a couple of other guys here this year that they never got before. So maybe they are making some advances with that. Yeah, well, what, I mean, Wada claims 21 days, so... I don't you know, know about that. I'm talking same day, you know what I mean? No, like, yeah, that's... Yeah, they're... they're Well, that's what I said. Their prop, yeah, proclamation yeah. is absurd, but... Uh, it, what they're te- and this is the part the players have a problem with. They're not catching anybody. What they're testing is levels, uh, and you know, and that's why the the players want a population study uh, to drive up the levels. They want a population study because so many people are on it that the levels yeah. will be higher, and exactly. therefore the level to, to to fail will be higher. So yep. the test and and you know I've gotten this from three or four really really knowledgeable knowledgeable guys the test itself is basically useless uh the population study to drive up the levels is obviously a a, a red herring to enable continued usage uh and that's the biggest issue uh because the league is fighting the population study saying there's no need for it and and but still from a legal standpoint it, it, there's just too many hurdles. I, I mean, the actual positive test, and I put that in quotation, uh, can be fought on, on, on so many different levels. 
my whole point, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting too technical because I know people don't want to hear that the technical aspect of it is. Uh, my whole point is that neither side is all that uh, thrilled uh, to get it implemented. So when you constantly hear, and I'm, I, I don't want to pick on specific writers, but this is, this is the, the fourth or fifth time this story's been floated, that they're very, very close, and it's been three years. And, you know, it's the old fool me once, shame on, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, I'm not saying it's not going to get done eventually, uh, because I think it will. Uh, but, you know, to assume it's going to happen next week and Josh Gordon's going to be back there for hurdles to that, I, I, wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be, you know, basing my whole season on that. Well, yeah, that was the biggest thing that I was getting yesterday was, hey, what do you think, man? Are you, What are you hearing about Josh Gordon? And I'm like, okay, I can see the reality of the possibility. Like, yes, if they to go retroactive, then yeah, okay, that's cool. That would carry over. That, that makes sense. But they're not there yet. They supposedly had been working on this how long now and haven't gotten it yet. So why and – that? and I'm with you. Why am I to believe – that it's going to happen like like tomorrow like unless it's the only thing that i thought of is maybe seeing the number of suspensions this year as we as we saw on all the pregame shows it was pointed out and and focused on a lot of different places that maybe i thought maybe that was kind of a a emphasis point to get things moving a little bit because you had a lot of guys going hey we got this guy missing two games for this this guy's missing four games for that i mean it was was it 39 players on opening uh opening week that we're missing at least one or more weeks because of suspension. So I thought maybe that put some more onus on, on them to get something worked out so you can get some guys back sooner and things like that. That was my thought because otherwise why would it happen now? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you the reason I think it, it may be closer. I, I don't think the NFL has a problem with the number of suspensions. I, I think they kind of like that because uh, to the, to the casual fans' eye, to them it says, oh, look, the NFL's trying to clean up yeah. the game. So I think they've always spun it in that direction. So they don't necessarily mind the suspensions uh, because, you know, that's what they say. Well, we're doing a good job. We're cleaning up the game. Uh, I, I think what's made it closer is the fact that the NFL has acquiesced to the fact that they will move things like, you know, uh, speed suspensions or Adderall suspensions That'll go out of uh, the performance-enhancing drug policy and move into the substance abuse policy, which means if you get tested positive for the first time, uh, you'll have to test positive two times before the suspension kicks on. Uh, under the PED policy, the moment you're caught, you're suspended for the four games. Right. Uh, so I think that's the biggest uh, advantage uh, and 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 the biggest thing the players have looked at and said, okay, that could work for us, and that's why they're a little bit closer. But again, I, I had people tell me it's going to be done on Saturday. Well, now it's Monday; right. it's still not done. Uh, I, you know, again, I'm not going to say it's too. not going to yeah. be done because they have made uh, slight incremental. They've gotten together on certain things, uh, but I've heard it too many times in the past. Uh, and until it's actually done, I'm not going to believe it. And and for Cleveland and Josh Gordon, 
you know, there's also issues on when he tested positive the last time. Did it happen right. in the league year this year or the league year last year? So I think that all that aspect of it still has to be hammered out to see if 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 he's going to be back at some point this year. And even if he is, too, there's the talk that with these changes that would perhaps allow him to come back, it would also tweak the way they're allowed to punish the DUIs, so not having to wait for adjudication. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...on certain things with his DUI hearing coming up in November. Even if the Browns did get him back, there's also the chance, not the chance, the most likely thing that he loses another two games there either way because of that too so a lot of moving parts and i heard the same thing you did over the weekend the talk was this thing will be able to be announced by the time the games start on sunday and then it'll you know it'll be a big story on opening day and then no it wasn't so who knows but you know we'll see about that interesting but i don't want to talk anymore about off the field stuff because there was football played this weekend and some good football as well whether you start with seattle as they began their defensive things with a pretty impressive one. I thought thought Seattle and Denver both looked like teams that, you know, look like they should be right back picking up where they left off. But let's start with the Browns yesterday, the Steelers, the tale of two different games, John. I mean, really, at halftime, I'm sure you are much like anybody here in Cleveland or around the country going, wow, it may be worse than we thought it was here in Cleveland. And then came the second half performance and a a furious rally that falls short at the end. You lose by a field goal. What did you take away from the Browns game with the Steelers yesterday? Well, I was most impressed by the fact that they hung in. I mean, yeah, you think about the lack of success they've had, and we talked about it against the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger in general, uh, and you kind of saw them fall behind, uh, and and you figured it was it. It was over. So the fact that they hung in, they came all the way back to tie the game, uh, you know, there are no more, you know, there are no yeah. Uh, moral victories in the, in the NFL, but you had to feel kind of good that that they stuck in the game, and it, it it still hurts. You know, it maybe even hurts more when you come all the way back and and you can't get over the hump. Um, but you know, it, it was very very impressive the fact that they didn't give up and that and Mike Petten had them battling uh, until the final minutes and. And some of the individual performances, the running game, uh, you know, we talked about the receivers and, and, and how that was going to be a problem. But, 
I got to tell you, Hawkins, you know, Andrew Hawkins was, was tremendous uh, uh, outside the numbers. You know, you look at him as a slot guy because he's, you know, only 5'7", but uh, he, did a, he did a phenomenal job. And, and, and the fact that uh, uh, you had three different runners at times, you know, uh, pounding the Steelers uh, showed just an increased depth. You know, when you looked at Cleveland's uh, – the backfield situation last year and how dismal it was. Uh, the fact that was certainly a positive. And, you know, Brian Hoyer deserves a lot of credit, team in the game. And, and again, 18-1, and one, Ben Roethlisberger is against the Browns. Yeah. So uh, to fight back and, and, and be in a position to possibly win the game uh, certainly speaks a lot of, uh, of the team. I mean, you've talked to Browns with me here for a couple of years now, so you've gotten to see them a little bit closer than some of the other national people. One of the things that I brought up earlier, and, and again, I don't even know how much I give this to the coaches because the coaches gave this to a couple of players. They said this wasn't us, this was them. But one of the most frustrating things for Browns fans is every week it seems like you beat your head against the wall at halftime because – other teams come out, even if the Browns are close. Or Last year, how many times did they have a lead? Or were they right there at halftime? Second, the other team makes all the adjustments, and that's what happens. And, and the thought yesterday, that was the most refreshing thing, was when it was up against the wall, the team came out, played completely different. But after the game, Coach did not take advantage of any opportunity to take credit for that, and he said, you guys need to talk to the guys in there. It was Hoyer, Whitner. It was Dansby, and it was Hayden. Those guys rallied their teammates together and in the second half rallied them on the sidelines. And, you know, you mentioned Brian Hoyer. I brought up at the beginning of the show, you know, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. But there hasn't been a Browns quarterback. I mean, I don't know if there's been one since 99. I know Jeff Garcia was a little bit fiery, but I mean where – you know, traditionally, I look back at the last few years and how the Browns quarterbacks, for the most part, they're on the sideline, they're in their, you got their hands in their hand warmer, they're talking to the coach, and then they go back out there. This was, hey, in the guys' faces, go out there, get us a stop, get the ball back, we're going to drive again. So the defense went out there and made a stop, and then the offense was fired up. And But the actual leadership, it's been a long time since a Browns quarterback has been vocal, and defensively too. I mean, this was a different set of voices. It wasn't you know, you could. We talked about Dequell Jackson, and sometimes the same voice losing year after year, it gets hard to motivate guys. This was Whitner and Dansby going, "Hey, listen, this ain't how you play football. This is embarrassing. Let's go out here and, and be men." And and it, but it made a difference. Usually, those are hollow words at halftime. So, did you notice the difference? I mean, it's a, it's been a long time since the Browns have dramatically improved at halftime in in a game. Yeah, I mean, you know, normally I, I take, you know, the talk of halftime adjustments just because so little time. I don't think people realize by the time you get off the field and you get back on, uh, there's not a lot of of these huge adjustments uh, uh, people like to talk about and, and, and like to point to. Um, you know, you you can start as a coach. You can start adjusting in the first. You can make an adjustment in the third quarter. You can make an adjustment two minutes in. So I, you know, I, I think part of it. You saw it all over the NFL. I think I think part of it is uh, just the way the game has shifted. You see these giant comebacks uh, that you never used to see before. Part of it is the rules. Part of it is so much easier to throw the ball. You know, if you're you saw Indianapolis last night in Denver, for instance, 
and you think about what they did in the playoffs last year. You know, it's almost like you don't want to get a big lead on Indianapolis because they forget about the running game and start chucking it around, and all of a sudden, oh, my God, here they are. Uh, in the Browns' case, though, I, I think you're right. I think it was just a matter of they were embarrassed in the first half, you know, 27-3, to and some of the players took it upon themselves uh, to say, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go out like this. We're not gonna, we're not gonna roll over. Uh, and and a certain part of that is leadership, and that's uh, a very very positive sign. Uh, because right, when the players start taking it upon themselves, uh, that's always good. Because uh, when you have leaders on both sides of the football, and you know they're going to fight for 60 minutes, no matter what the score is. Uh, you're going to be a better football team. And, and they had every reason to roll over, uh, and they didn't do it. I got two Browns questions for you coming out of this uh, from this week here and from what you've seen. One is at the quarterback position. Do you believe that for at least a few weeks here, because it hadn't, even though Hoyer was named the quarterback, clearly we saw in the pregame shows yesterday, it hadn't blunted the Manziel talk at all, and everybody thought it was a foregone conclusion that he would play yesterday. Do you think that maybe now that is blunted a bit for real for the next couple of weeks? And does yesterday's performance, both halves, change in any way your outlook for the Browns this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter, and and you know he deserves to be the starter uh, for the time being. Um, and he played well enough to where you're not going to question it uh, in week two. Uh, I still point back. I, I think a lot of that points to the fact that Johnny Manziel simply is not ready to play uh, in the NFL at, 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 at the present time, and that deals with his preparation and all the things we talked about so many weeks in the past. So I think it's a little from column A and a little from column B. He played well enough uh, to you're not going to question it, and and the Browns and Mike Penton don't want to question it because the backup isn't ready to play. Um, As far as changing the long-term outlook, no, I I don't think it does, simply because I I just think they're behind the eight ball talent-wise. You know, I I had them in a 4-5 win team before yesterday. Have have them at a four or five win team uh, after yesterday. Uh, I, I you know losing it's it's very difficult to replace a player like Josh Gordon. Uh, you can't do it. As a matter of fact, uh, defensively, you know, we talked about you know Justin Gilbert in weeks past. Uh, I questioned that pick where they pay. I saw. I think you saw some of those problems. And, and I think as a whole, you know, that was supposed to be the strength of the team. And, and all of a sudden you look up and, and, and through all the, you know, the, the fun of, of the big comeback and, and all the, the goodwill that that brought from it, you, you look back at, at, at the black, black and white aspect of, of Roethlisberger thrown for 365 yards. Um, so I, I think that's an issue. Uh, and it's going to be difficult, but you know, as long as they keep grinding, keep keep playing sixty minutes, I think they're going to give some people some headaches. Definitely, I was watching the game with a few people from out of town, and they, you know, had very little little uh, knowledge of what the Browns had to offer. And at the end of the game, they were like, "Man, 
Cleveland can play some ball, man. I don't know how many games they're going to win, but it it was a lot like what you said. And I do think that that should set some people at ease. Nobody thought that there were any parade parade routes being planned this season. But to me, there's a huge difference in the way you looked at this season at halftime and then the way that game ended. Because I'm telling you, I looked at a couple of guys at halftime and said, listen, if you play like this for 16 games, you don't win one of them. I don't care. I don't care if it's the Browns or not, man. That that was an 0-16 first half performance, man. Yeah, and, and, and you know, people tend to make quick assumptions. I, I can tell you I was here in Philadelphia. I was at the Eagles-Jaguars game, and you oh, could have yeah. had a, a suicide convention at halftime. Oh, I bet. <laughs> uh, I bet. And, and, you know, 30 minutes later, they scored 34 straight 30. points. So. <laughs> you have to temper some of that. I mean, teams have bad halves, and 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 they're able to recover, and and, and the Browns were able to recover. And I, I can't even imagine if they got over the hump and actually won that game, how excited people would be. They would have built uh, the Hoyer statue. Hoyer would have got a statue next week here in yeah. Cleveland, brother. <laughs> and you know, but that's that's the that's the stark difference between winning and losing. It's still the same impressive comeback, but obviously you don't yep. have the, the you know the satiated part of actually getting the win. Uh, but you still take the good things away from the comeback and the fact that you know they didn't give up because uh, you know when I saw the halftime score and I, you know I knew and I talked about it last week about you know Roethlisberger's career against the Browns. You just figured, wow, this is going to be forty-five to ten or. Uh, That's what it looked like at the like half. That. Yeah, and uh, the fact that they 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 persevered, uh, I think, means a lot. And 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 certainly, at least if you're giving a, a grade for week one, I think I think the Browns get a passing grade, even though they lose. Because you know, let's face it, uh, the vast majority of people. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. thought they had no chance to go into Pittsburgh and win. And now, you know, we talked to, I said this two weeks ago with somebody else that is a regular on the show. I said, you know what? I said the biggest improvement most coaches believe comes from week one to week two in a football team just because that's your biggest opportunity to see what's real and what's not after training camp. So I'm really interested to see what the uh, what they do when they come back home. They've got a very, very tough challenge, an angry Saints team that's going to be looking to uh, get themselves going as well. So the Browns, we talked about the letting Ben Roethlisberger go crazy. Drew Brees can pick you apart. So we'll see what the Browns do here heading into the home opener with the Saints. And looking around the rest of the 
the NFL, John. Uh, you know, looking at everybody that played this weekend, what was the uh, the biggest maybe surprises you saw? Anything that you, made you go, "Hey, going to keep an eye on this"? Well, you know, it started on Thursday night. I, I mean, I yeah, I expected that kind of play out of the Seahawks, but you know, that game told me a lot more about the Packers than the Seahawks. Uh, nobody, nobody beat Seattle in Seattle. We all know that, but it was the way the Packers lost and, and just totally uh, dominated. Uh, I think that said a lot. And, and you know, Chicago also losing at home to Buffalo uh, in Week One. Uh, I think those are the two teams that are, are, you know, people thought were serious contenders, and now they kind of look at them and say, "Ooh, maybe." Maybe we thought a little bit too much of these teams, at least. Uh, but, you know, again, you, you, you never get too high after week one. You shouldn't get too low. Uh, and I think that's exactly what, what coaches like Mike McCarthy and Mark Tressman will be preaching this week. And, and it's far from uh, over for any team after week one. Uh, but you see some of the things, and, and you know, it's funny. Uh, there's this old quote that you know certain teams uh, in the season opener don't realize that they're bad yet, uh, and they play a little bit better and a little bit harder, uh, and that starts to temper as, as you get into the season. <laughs> they don't realize uh, and you'll they're see bad that, yet. <laughs> you'll see that throughout the NFL. I like the way you put it. They don't realize they're bad yet, so they try a little bit, a little bit harder until they realize that that they stink. That's funny. Hey, hopefully Jerry Jones realizes exactly what he's got because yeah, they realize gladly, they stink. I will gladly trade him Johnny Football for three number one draft picks right now. Somebody needs to make the phone call. Jerry wants him. He's already regretting it. So call him up. Go, come on, Jimmy Haslam. Go take well, him out. Well, speaking man. of it, there was a. I I don't want to out the people, but there was a story today that was out there that said Jerry Jones, uh, the Cowboys might be in trouble because Jerry Jones might take over personnel decisions. There you uh, go. And I was just and I was just shaking my head because their Jimmy belief Haslam. because Steve, yeah, their belief that Stephen Jones has personnel decision because he has his general manager label. Apparently uh, not kind of ludicrous i think that's funny man so everybody that's got players that jerry jones has got a thing for has got their they got their phones on speed dial now hey jerry yeah i think i I think the vikings (laughs) might get 10 first round picks for adrian peterson there you go man they might be able to re re what is it the uh to go the opposite way with the uh with the herschel walker trade this time this time the vikings can send the uh the running back and they can get all the draft picks from dallas here to rebuild the next Hall of Fame franchise team, you know, it can be Herschel in reverse. But I'm telling you, we've got one here that you like a lot, Jerry, and a couple of first-round draft picks, and he can be yours. That's all I'm saying, man. But, uh, John, thank you so much. Long conversation. We had a lot to get into today with Ray Rice, all that, man. But football is here, and it's going to be interesting watching teams learn about themselves over the next few weeks and figure out what they've got to do to make their playoff runs. Yeah, yeah, about playoffs. You get no, 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 that's what I'm saying. But, this uh, is where you learn about yourself and figure out what team you've got heading down into the second half of the season, you know? Yeah, I think so. certain teams. I mean, you know, Seattle, I use a wrestling term. The The rest of the NFC better be like uh, attacking Andre the Giant in a battle royal because somebody, <laughs> uh, somebody has got to get that team out of Seattle 
unless Look everybody them, else is, is playing for second place. Look at the way they played, and they're talking about, yeah, we, we didn't play that well today. You're going, well, when they do get things rolling, they're going to be uh, they're gonna be nasty over there once again. And that crowd, Denver, you know? I mean, yeah, the, the comeback there at the, at the end, but Denver looks strong too, man. So a uh, good de- uh, kickoff to their defenses. Let's see if they're the last two teams standing, though, about uh, 21 weeks from now. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, certainly – Certainly, Seattle looks like the prohibitive favorite again, uh, but there's a lot of hurdles. It's way too early, and, and, and Denver's going to be very good, and they probably have an easier route to the Super Bowl than the Seahawks do in the NFC. So, still a lot of things can happen. Injuries can derail any season. We all know that. Uh, but boy, as I said, somebody has to beat Seattle and make sure they don't get home field advantage, because if they do, that's it. I, I don't know how anybody's going to beat them up there. That's it, man. You got to beat them on the road because they're not going down at the house. That's for sure. John McMullen, week one's in the books. Next week, look forward to talking to you. The Browns will be fresh off their home opener with the Saints, and we will see what goes on around the NFL. I can't wait. And plus, who knows? We may know what additional punishment perhaps happens with Ray Rice here. So a lot to talk about next week. All right. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Thank you. John McMullen from the Sports Network. You guys can tweet with them at JF McMullen. Yeah, we're way into overtime here. We haven't even kicked over halfway through the show. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan coming up next. We've got to talk about them Buckeyes as they dropped one early here, and it could be several more of those coming. Cincinnati looms, a couple of Big Ten teams. It was a rough day for the Big Ten the other day. The top dogs went uh they went to the wayside there. Michigan, whoo, Notre Dame waxed Michigan. Michigan State goes down. Buckeyes lose to Vatek. Let's talk about all of that. Indians, Browns, Buckeyes. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan going to join us here. We'll talk about all of that with him. Meanwhile, middle of the third, Indians and Angels, no score. We'll keep updating you on that as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan next here on the Sports Fix. We here at the Sports Fix are very in-depth when we interview the sports stars. Oh, I saw the whole thing, dude. First you were all like, whoa. And then we were all like, whoa. And then you were like, whoa. What are you talking about? You got serious thrill issues, dude. <laughs> awesome. Oof. Maybe not, but you should still listen. Hey, Cleveland, this is Ed Doherty, voice of San Ignatius Wildcat Football. And you're listening to the Sports Fix. I'm Pro Football Hall of Famer Paul Warfield. There's just one place where students are students first and athletics are played with purpose and perspective. That place is your local high school. High school sports help young people become confident leaders and role models and use the skills developed today to do even bigger things in life tomorrow. High school sports, a winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the Ohio High School Athletic Association. In baseball, miracles can happen when a team works together. Two out, bottom of the ninth, down to their last strike. The same is true in the fight against cancer. That's why MLB has teamed up with Stand Up to Cancer. Because we believe that when we all stand up together, 41,000 on their feet, we can make cancer history. Now everybody's standing. What a buzz in this building. This is beyond a dream. Stand up with MLB at StandUpToCancer.org. 
The Sports Fix is now available every day on the world's largest internet radio service, iHeartRadio. Download the free iHeartRadio app, subscribe to the show, and get your fix. At the corner of Carnegie in Ontario, it's basketball time at the Q. Have you gotten your copy of Cleveland's Finest yet? Highlighting the best moments, players, and media members in Cleveland sports history? In-depth, personal interviews with some of the top names in Cleveland sports fill the pages of this incredible book. Joe Dave. Fred McLeod. Hector Marinero. Discussing the most intimate and sometimes controversial details of the largest moments in our town's sports history. The Indians have won the divisional title. A perfect game for Lynn Barker. What a win for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Their first time in the playoffs. It's the first book written from the player's point of view, with the media that covered it and the fans that watched. Finally, the true stories are told. From a miracle in Richfield to the NBA Finals. From a perfect game to a World Series one pitch from victory. From a Wildcat High School dynasty to the golden days of the Browns, Barons, and Crunch, this book will change the way the entire sports nation looks at Cleveland. Cleveland, you will have an October to remember. Cleveland's Finest by Vince McKee is this year's must-have book for every Cleveland sports fan. Available now at Amazon.com. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by GV Art and Design. It's not just a shirt, it's a statement. GVArtwork.com Welcome back to the Sports Fix. Rolling on here across the Sports Fix radio network. I told you, I knew I could I could smell what the air was cooking early in this one. I knew we were going into overtime. A whole lot. Hey, man, look, there's the weekend alone, busy enough. And then you throw Ray Rice on top of that with that thing coming out this morning and us getting on that. And I haven't even touched on the stuff going on in the NBA, which kind of fits right in on some of the things we were talking about earlier. There's a whole lot going on. So we're going to keep it rolling here and take it on until we uh, until we run out of steam, baby. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan. He's going to jo- join us just a few moments from now here. As you hear in the background, of course, we're going to talk some O-H-I-O, Buckeyes, uh, Buckeyes, uh, Buckeyes football. Yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't go well for the Buckeyes at home the other night, and uh, it adds up to a loss for the Buckeyes earlier in the season than they are traditionally used to it. That's for sure. We're going to talk to Dan about that. You guys can keep the conversation going with us on Facebook and Twitter and email facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Email us the sports fix at AOL.com real quick as we get ready to go to the phone lines. I was going to try to get you an update on the update on the Indian score here as soon as the computer wants to cooperate with me. Uh, there we go. Come on now, guys. There we go. No score. Bottom of the third. Angels and Indians roll on. We'll keep updating that for you as we go to the phones. Let's talk. We'll talk about that tribe and that sweep and the Browns and the Steelers and the Buckeyes with my man Dan. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan. Dan, how you doing this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing great, Jerry. How are you? Good to be back I'm with you. Right. So I was part of that part of that record crowd down there in Columbus on Saturday night and. Uh, Boy, the Buckeyes came out and uh, kind of laid a big fat egg. Uh, it was uh, it was disappointing. There's a lot of questions that I have about 
why they did what they did. And, uh, you know, let me first just kind of point out that I'm a little bit surprised that that Urban Meyer didn't put a little bit more of the uh, of the blame on himself. I mean, I I um, it was always a distressing thing to me that Jim Tressel would never ever admit that he was out coached. He he very <laughs> rarely, if ever, ever took any of the blame for a loss on on himself or his coaches. Um, Urban has not shown that hesitance before, but um, he, he was saying this morning that he didn't. Uh, he had never seen uh, a team put nine men in the box like Virginia Tech did. He, they, they haven't been able to run their offense this year yet because the defenses just haven't been cooperating with them by playing a straight four three, which is well, what their what offense is set up to uh, to attack. <laughs> and you know, crazy. Uh, these darn defenses about, uh, are not not cooperating. Dan, what's up with these defenses not letting them run yeah. their offense? Yeah. So anyway, the other thing was. Uh, I've never in my life, uh, my, my, my long history of covering uh, covering and watching Ohio State football, seen a team that, that pretty much just uh, capitulated to what the defense was doing by totally going with, with the running backs for Ohio State. We, we had a couple of uh, attempts at running the ball. The only thing that worked on the read option was, was J.T. Barrett keeping the ball, and he yeah. picked up 60 yards on that very first drive, had a couple of nice long runs. But anytime he did anything other than keep the ball himself, uh, they were getting stuffed. Uh, Elliott got stuffed on his first couple tries, and they decided they were going to try to run an option uh, option offense and then pitch out and go wide. Those things were getting chopped down. Uh, they ended up the first half with, I believe, zero yards rushing by running backs, zero yards rushing or single-digit yards at the very best by anybody other than J.T. Barrett. Uh, to me, that's just unfathomable um, that, that you're going to just say, well, okay, we're not going to try. They they didn't really try to run the ball. Um, offensive line took a lot of heat after the game, but uh, as Meyer pointed out, you know, there's five of them. And when there's seven guys coming after the quarterback, uh, you know, you, you can't expect your five offensive linemen to block them. You know what, what though? What let was, me – let me jump with what Hello. you're saying there. Because, Go ahead. Because yeah. I'm with you. That was one of my biggest question marks was with the coaching, and it was exactly what you just said. Okay, I get it. You're going six, seven, eight, nine in the box. You're blitzing six guys, five guys, seven guys on every play. You're just sending more than we've got. I get it. But, I mean, even if you just play Madden football, you know that when a team blitzes all their guys every play – you hit them with the pass. Somebody's open. You just you'll burn them. You'll you'll gash them every time. And I couldn't understand why we weren't just having three guys do a quick two yard hook and look whichever one's open, toss them the ball real quick because they're bringing the house and we're not using their aggressiveness against them at all. We're just snapping, looking, and getting sacked. Like why are we running long routes when they're blitzing six and seven guys? I didn't understand that. Right. Well, Meyer is lamenting this morning uh, in the press conference the, uh, the the failure of his receivers. He was disappointed in in his receivers' uh, inability to get open uh, in in man to man coverage, and certainly that was a problem. That the Vatek corners played played great ball, um, but you know, even in my non coaching you know layman's understanding of, of uh, football, the way to beat the blitz is to a uh, use the middle of the field and your tight end. The tight end never saw a ball all night long. Uh, 
you run draws, you run screens. Is there a screen in the playbook? Uh, it was certainly not ever tried. Uh, is there a draw play in the playbook other than a quarterback draw? We didn't see anything of the of the sort. And 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 granted, you can't retool your whole offense and go away from your 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 program, which is essentially read option, inside zone, outside zone, and, and uh, you know spread. Uh, but uh, and as Meyer said, you had they couldn't run the ball because he, they were looking at two or three unblocked defenders on the line of scrimmage on every play. Well, okay, then then do something different. I was I was distressed at the play calling. Uh, uh, I, I give the defense more credit than most people do uh, because you, you've got to hand some credit to Virginia Tech. They had very inventive play calling. Uh, their, their quarterback made plays on third down where. Now, the Ohio State Buckeyes didn't do nearly as well on third down, not only with play calling, but with execution. And um, so, so you got to hand it to, uh, to, to the Virginia Tech offense. They, let's face it, you know, they showed up in Columbus Saturday night, and they were the better team than the, than the home guy. We, we thought, and, and we've said, and I've said, that I, I thought losing Braxton Miller turned this from a you know, nine- or ten-win team. Now maybe nine wins looks like uh, – uh, that, that might be, uh, you know, optimistic, but um, you know they're probably not as bad as they look. The special teams obviously horrible. The, the whole tone of the game has changed if if uh, the kicker hits two field goals earlier in the game, and uh, also changed if if Corey Smith makes a catch in the back of the end zone on a ball that hit him in the numbers. Um, so there's all kinds of ways that the game could have should have been closer. The bottom line is though they were outplayed uh, by a team that was better prepared and executed better on the field and. Uh, there's just no getting around that. Yeah, and it just—I'm with you. I don't know why more people don't question the strategy. I mean, 34 of the 43 dropbacks, they—they they brought more than five, five or more, I should say, at the quarterback. I mean, like you said, I mean, the easiest way, uh, and I keep—you know—just because it's the easiest thing that I can reference without using specific players, I think of. You know, when you're when you're playing a game of Madden, the easiest way to beat the all-out blitz is to slant your your tight end right across the middle and just hit him every time because it's you have a hot read that runs the slant across the middle. It could be the tight end, it could be the slot guy. It doesn't matter. His job is to just run across in the slant there and be there for the quarterback. If you're gonna blitz, it's like you said, or screen every time. And they did it. The, they did it to score earlier with the pass from to uh, to Michael Thomas that went. 50 yards for the touchdown, you know? I mean, you open up space like that. And then in that fourth quarter, I just, I'm sitting there with my jaw open watching the game. Not that they're losing, that every snap was the same way for the last five minutes of that game. It was get back in the shotgun, take the snap, look around and get sacked, get up and do it again on the next play. And they just said, you know what? Let's send even more guys at the quarterback. Let's just blitz the whole team. And I'm going, how? Are you not finding a hot read here? I mean, there. It's like you said. It's one thing if it's a, a thing that's hurting you time and time again. But when they're doing it every time, you have to plan around it. Like at that point, you go the hell with the with calling these plays. Here's what we do. When they bring it, here's where you're going. Your uh, Dontre is going to run a slant every time. Find him every time. You know, and beat him that way. I was just amazed that they kept blitzing, kept attacking, and we did nothing about it down the stretch. Uh, it's it's not as if they came into the game and then were surprised by Beamer's uh, blitzing defense. Uh, you know, the, the the defensive coordinator and Beamer. You know, th- this is the way they do it, and this is what they've always done. And, and 
They they knew they had to know they you know that, that this was coming that this was what they were going to do they were going to dare Barrett to beat them throwing the ball every single team is going to do that from now on uh, you know Meyer said this morning at the press conference that he didn't believe they were going to see a lot of that uh, from the season here on out because there's only one team left on the schedule that has the personnel to do that and he referenced by saying the team that won the Big Ten last year. Uh, without saying Michigan State, that, that being the only team that, that has the personnel to do what Virginia Tech did. Uh, but I guarantee you that they're not the only team that's going to send the house after the quarterback and and, uh, and, and dare him to beat them uh, you know, down, down the field. So, that's the uh, recipe that's, now. Uh, uh, yeah, talking you know? about they haven't, faced, they haven't faced a 4-3 yet. Well, you might not face another one if you don't uh, uh, show any better ability to beat it than, than what you did Saturday. So, Lots yeah. of ways that, that that game could have been won, uh, but they just didn't do it. Special teams horrific. Not only the the two missed field goals, but uh, you know late hits on uh, out of bounds plays and uh, just uh, you know kicking a kickoff out of bounds and giving them some field position. All all kinds of things that went wrong in in an area that's supposed to be the Urban Meyer specialty. Also, of course, the Frank Beamer specialty. But uh, <laughs> You know that that's uh, that's not an area where the coaching staff uh, shined, and and you can put it on individual players, but uh, they didn't appear well drilled um, uh, on special teams, and and that uh, that that showed up. And uh, you know, even late in the game, before the last two interceptions by Barrett, you know, here's a Buckeye team that you know, everybody, you know, it's always safe to say in the in the preview of a game that the in a tight game that the team that wins the turnover battle is going to win the game. Well. Here are the Buckeyes late in the fourth quarter with three turnovers to, to one for Virginia Tech, and and you're down a touchdown still even with that. You, you've had a fumble that Bosa caused, and you've had a couple pickoffs, and, uh, you know, Barrett even things up late in the game with a couple of Hail Marys that got picked off. But uh, uh, it, it shouldn't have come to that. And, and, and why we were, why, you know, relying on the, the deep ball uh, when, uh, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of underneath stuff and tight ends and, and those kinds of things, crossing routes that, that could have been more effective against a, a nine-man front. Um, they, they didn't fail. They were left untried, uh, you know, with the exception of uh, the, dropped, uh, the drop ball in the end zone on a slant. And, and uh, you know, then, of course, Thomas made a play, uh, as you said earlier, that where he, he caught that slant and, and went for six. But, you know, and yeah, there were some drop balls, and and uh, one of Meyer's uh, kind of explanations here was that um, you know he was disappointed in his receivers' inability to get open uh, against one-on-one coverage. Yeah, that was that was apparent, and and we thought we had addressed the talent issue at wide receiver. Uh, Devin Smith got open for a one long one, but uh, uh, there wasn't a lot of separation there, and for that you, you sort of have to credit the. Uh, the Virginia Tech corners have played a great game. And the other thing, you know, the counter-argument to using the tight end is that when you've got five, six, seven guys coming after the QB, you, you need to leave block. a tight end in to, to block one of them. Um, but um, that still doesn't, to me, doesn't explain the complete uh, abandoning of your passing to the tight end, uh, which supposedly is a staple of the Urban Meyer offense. Yeah, but see, some of that is the hubris, and it, some of that comes with Coach Meyer. That's what he's known for. I'm interested because you just you said it, and I'm going to tag on to what you said, that I don't care what he thinks he's going to face for the rest of the season. If I am any of the teams that's playing Ohio State the rest of the way, 
I'm changing my defense. I am scrapping my defense. I'm going to follow the formula that I just saw until you show me that your quarterback can find a hot read, that he can beat these blitzes. I'm just going to keep stacking it up, and I'm going to bring the house at you. So if he thinks that if he thinks that other teams are just going to start cooperating this week because, you know, that now we got different defenses, not if I'm a good coach. If I'm going against you, I'm going, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So they have to – you don't practice this week – and just you, your normal game prep as if everything's the same. You've got to figure out, we need some hot reads. We need some quick plays that if they're going to stack the box, bam, we're going to do this once or twice, and that's going to back everybody off because they're going to know that if they blitz us, we're going to beat them with X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Otherwise, why would teams not just continue to do that? Because clearly Virginia Tech showed you how to beat the Buckeyes, and there's a long season to go. Doesn't mean it's all over, like you said, either, because look back a few years back. You know, you lose one early, but then you continue to win. I mean, the, the season is far from over, but it's still, to me, the formula's out there now on how to beat the Buckeyes. And, and defensively, teams, I think, are going to do a lot more of this. They're just going to pressure, pressure, pressure JT Barrett. Like, hey, let's prove that he's, a, a for all intents and purposes, a rookie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we it's sort of half in jest last week. We were talking about, well, this is the last triple option team you'll face unless the coach the rest of the schedule watch the Navy <laughs> game film, in which case it won't be the last triple option team they face. I mean, but Brewer uh, looked good too. You know, he was he made good reads. Yeah, he threw a couple of picks, like you said, but you know, he did a good job of taking what the defense was giving him there and. And, you know, they didn't have much rushing to go for, you know, to speak of. You brought up the Buckeyes. I think what well, Elliott was the leading non-quarterback rusher for the Buckeyes with, like, 30 yards or something. But I think the leading rusher for Virginia Tech had less than 40. So they didn't have a whole lot yeah, of Yeah, yeah, they didn't. Uh, the, the, the Hokies didn't exactly, you know, rush up and down the field. I think what they did is, like I said earlier, they made the – Third down conversion. Some third of them downs, were just 50%. backbreakers on, on third and 16, third and 17 from their yeah. own four-yard line, that kind of stuff. That Picking was up huge. those first downs is kind of inexcusable uh, yeah. to, to let that happen. And the, the vaunted Buckeye pass rush, the vaunted Buckeye defensive line. They uh, getting there. Didn't didn't have their best game of the of uh, you know of the year obviously uh, game game two but uh, they didn't perform up to the press clippings I don't think in in getting after the passer especially on third downs uh, Brewer to his great credit I mean he he had a real nice game uh, threw the ball accurately and his and his receivers made some great catches uh, I don't think any catch was quite as good as the one that Dr. Wilson made down the field though on that one handed over-the-top yeah. somersault kind of catch. That was just utterly spectacular. But uh, it was uh, just, a, just a big disappointment uh, in, in, a, in a big situation, you know, big recruiting weekend, LeBron on the sidelines and record Curse crowd and all that stuff. And it was a spectacle just being there to be part of it. Uh, but when the band show at halftime is the highlight of the night, uh, you know it hasn't been a good day. Yeah, it's the curse of LeBron, man. Kyrie gets hurt at the Olympic thing. Next thing you know, Buckeyes go down. What's next? What's next? Kevin Love's going to actually try to play defense, and he's going to blow out his ACL because it's the first time he ever tried. And he goes, that's what I get. See, there was a reason I did it my way in Minnesota. Come here. You guys try to get me to do this defense thing. And next thing you know, it'll be LeBron and Andy like it's 2007 all over again, man. And then 
Anyways, I'm just kidding. I was joking, though, with friends about that. I said, it's the curse of LeBron, man. He's on the sidelines, and look at what happened, man. But, no, it's just, you're right, a bad opportunity there. And, uh, and again, you know, a disappointment. The entire Big Ten, look at that, Michigan State. I mean, obviously, they had a tough opponent there. Uh, you knew that was going to be... That was going to be a battle there. Oregon stormed back on them. Michigan just getting bombed by Notre Dame there, wiped out. Uh, a tough one yeah, for and, the and, uh, marquee Yeah, and I, I haven't had a chance to see any of that. And you know, first being at the game, all the good games, uh, I was able to watch a little bit of Stanford, Oregon, or, or uh, Stanford USC, I should say, um, uh, at the uh, at the at Eddie George's Grill uh, pregame. But um, you know, the rest of the game, the Michigan game, Michigan State game, haven't had a chance to see any of that. But Anybody, you're kidding yourself if you think that the Big Ten, as of September 6th, now has, has any shot at getting into the four-game playoff. No way. just not happening. No there, there, there's no team in the Big Ten right now that can can make that uh, that foursome. It's too bad that it's already over on September 6th, but if you're at all realistic, you have to realize that it is over. It was a, it was a horrible weekend for the Big Ten, and uh, even even Nebraska, you know, getting by McNeese State by a touchdown. How about that one? North, Abdullah North, with that play. Northwestern getting it? beat by a MAC team. Uh, just just a catch and run at the end of the game, man. That was a hey, good play to yeah. save it. But you're right to even be at that point with McNeese State was no good. But that was a nice. That was most definitely a nice play. Um, even Iowa, uh, who who scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes. Uh, to, to squeeze out a win over Ball State. Uh, that game I was watching uh, at, at Eddie George's, uh, and uh, that was a miracle that they managed to, to, to squeeze a one out over another MAC team. Uh, Northwestern loses to the MAC. Uh, Northern, obviously, a good program, but still, uh, that was that was weak, and, and the, the whole Big Ten just looked miserable. So it's, uh, it, it's a little bit of disarray right now in the Big Ten, and then, you know, these these three games on on Saturday were supposed to be the uh, the barometer uh, by which we could measure where the Big Ten was, and unfortunately, we found out that uh, yeah. not not a, not elite is where this conference is right now. Absolutely not. Buckeyes go down to Virginia Tech, thirty five twenty one. They've got Kent State on the horizon, and then Cincinnati, which you and I already kind of mentioned last week when I said Virginia Tech to me was the first true upset potential game of the season when we were talking about that last week and you said you thought even more Cincinnati well that game's still on the schedule and it's coming up soon enough so uh, that could be another one of those losses that people maybe don't see coming or maybe Ohio State learns from this as we said galvanizes themselves and you know we're sitting back later in the season looking back and going if only they hadn't looked past I don't see that but you know you never know Kent State coming up next and you and I can talk more uh, as we go forward here throughout the week and look ahead to next weekend uh, as we talk Buckeyes here a whole lot of stuff going on and you know what I thought about you too by the way I'm like I was telling some people I was watching the game with I said yeah man my, my friends down there uh, at the game right now guy that talks Buckeyes with me on the show 107,000 or whatever and like then the game ended and I'm going man that's a long ride back up north for Dan Wismar man that's a lonely car ride there after you go well, that just didn't work out so well, man. You know, and a lot of the way yeah, you probably that's, that's felt true. at halftime. Of course, it was a, it was you know, with with all those incompletions and, and everything, it was a long football game. I, it did. I don't know exactly yeah. what time that game finished, but it had to be close Late. to close to midnight. It was before it was I don't over, know. close to a four hour game, and 
and then, you know, fighting your way out of there. I people, thought about that, um, too. <laughs> what that traffic's got to be like. I was pulling into the house at about 2.30 in the morning. So uh, I thought about the traffic, uh, Dan. for a long I, day. My buddy goes, when I told him you were there, he goes, could you imagine? I said, I know. I mean, Brown Stadium is bad enough when you got 60,000 coming out. Double that. (laughs) That's how many people are coming out of of Buckeye Stadium pretty much, you know, and and, uh, loading up for that one. I'm going, man, Dan's spending two hours in traffic right now. That's the worst when you're stuck in traffic and you didn't win the game. So, like, you're not sitting there beeping the horn and everybody's yelling at each other and going, yay, great game. You're sitting there like... Like, man, I don't want to be stuck in this damn traffic. Should have never came out to this game tonight, man. Come on. Right. The, the only thing worse than that, if I had my face painted scarlet and green, if I was hungry. Ah. You know, but you know, that, that, neither of those things were happening for me. So I, it was all right. And, and, and to be honest, the traffic getting out of Columbus wasn't bad at all. But uh, well, uh, you just uh, back, you just, back in time to you know get a good night's sleep and wake up and watch my brownies. You just put putty in my head. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. As soon as you said that, I saw. Uh, you, I don't know if you, you're a Seinfeld guy, but uh, one oh of the, yeah, yeah, a putty with the face painting. Got to, got to support the team. Got to support the team. Buddy, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's right. That <laughs> well, could was you great. please not paint your face? You know, but I got to support the team anyway. So, but yeah, so you come back. So you're down to Columbus in the middle of that team of destiny, baby. Sweeping the weekend, they brought their broom out for you. Took care of business. Now they've put it back on the shelf here, but they took care of business with the White Sox this weekend. Uh, I don't know how much Indians you got to catch as they're playing right now. Matter of fact, I saw Brantley has now extended that hitting streak to 12 games with his uh, hit here in this one, but we are at the top of the fifth. It looks like looks like the Angels are threatening here. Uh, looks like there may be some runners on. I have to get an update on this. Still no score in the top of the fifth is what I've got. But what did you see of the Indians this weekend? Anything? Oh, I followed it all the way. I'm, I'm always on top of the Indians game, and uh, no matter where I happen to be. But, uh, yeah, you know, we just continue to get spectacular pitching. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, offense is still the offense. Uh, but uh, you, when, when Chicago goes and scores two runs in a three-game series, you got a pretty good shot. Uh, Carrasco continues to amaze. Uh, you know, the, the young starters, uh I don't know if you saw the, the Peter Gammons article about the Tribe Young rotation uh, over the weekend, uh, his syndicated column of, about the Indians' uh, young starters, really starting to throw some some fear into people around the division. He quoted Osmus, uh, the Tigers manager, as uh, saying, yeah, you know, acknowledging that, yeah, the Indians' rotation uh, looking into the future is, is, is uh, scary good. Um, so we we hope that we hope that it works out that way, but it certainly looks like it may be shaping up that way with the four young starters and, and throw T.J. House in there as a possible fifth guy. And, you know, we've talked, and I know uh, Mike Brandeberry and, and you uh, talk about you know you don't need five starters, you need seven. To, uh, I'm pretty happy going into 2015 and beyond with uh, with the four guys that we've got there, and, and and maybe House possibly a fifth, and you know you, you know you're going to go out and try to acquire some more pitching anyway. What, but what are you doing, uh, Dan? Why are you looking at 2015, man? The team of destiny, destiny. is rolling destiny. on. I hear you, man. I hear you know <laughs> the, the Royals aren't cooperating with this whole destiny thing, but the Tigers are stumbling a little bit, and we, we just need to have the Mariners and the Tigers continue to stumble because those are the guys we're chasing realistically. And uh, yeah, so I, I look at it: we're seven games over 500, but we're really 7.9 games over That's 500. It. You know, you got to get three. You got to get three outs for that. For Damn. that Kansas City win. 
Think about what you and I said a couple of weeks ago when we were they were trying to get to five and they were they were kind of treading water there. They were at three and four and you you and I were go you go hey you get to five next thing you know it's easy to go hey let's get to ten over five hundred let's keep this thing moving and it does it has worked that way as far as it took a while to get there but then boom you got to five over now you quickly move it to six over seven over you keep moving it up you know so uh, it did kind of go in that direction once you got yourself past that high water mark a little bit yeah it continues to go up and then obviously every time they they put a game on that on that uh number over 500 it's a it's a high water mark for the season and uh and they didn't even sniff that until early august so it's um it's encouraging to see and and even more encouraging is just every every time you start a game you feel like your starter is going to give you a shot look at the and, weekend uh you know you're going to look at look at today with Al. our last i watched the whole uh, last start for Salazar and just was knocked out by that Damn. performance. That was just speaking of knocked out. Sorry to interrupt you, but as you're speaking, as we're proclaiming the greatness of Salazar in this rotation, three nothing Angels as they've now jumped on the Indians here in the fifth inning. I was looking; they had a couple on. It looked like they had two on here to to start things out, and apparently they've pushed those across. I'll get you an update on how, but in the top of the fifth inning, they did nothing on the Indians there, unfortunately. But before yeah, we'll that, talk, about a, talk the, about a hot team in the American League. Jerry. Yeah, I mean, the, Angels, the Angels. I mean, uh, come on. 32 games over, 500, a pet blew by the Orioles, and, and now obviously have the number one seed in the American League, and uh, they, they uh, after last season, it really is, uh, talk about a remarkable turnaround. Those guys, uh, They've been playing great baseball the last couple months, uh, hotter than a firecracker right now. And you're out there facing a 16-game winner on the other mound and stuff. So, you know, Indians got their their work out from there. But before we we talked about the one where they just gave up a few runs, when we were looking at this weekend, as you said, about that pitching, I mentioned earlier the scores of those games. I mean, you're winning games 2-1, 3-1, 2-0. you know that's that's impressive. You're not blowing out a team that's given up. They still had some fight, even though. And I give them credit, man. They've lost 14 of 18 now, and they, you know, they didn't get run away here. The competitiveness with the Indians, but because uh, we talked about them coming into this season, we circled the Tigers as the team that just kicked our butt last year, and we want to play better against them. But the Indians were able to not settle for two out of three. They took the sweep, which you have to do at this. This time of the season yeah no doubt it's not about and you know we've talked for a couple of weeks now about needing to play 667 baseball you know for back when you had you know 35 games left you knew you had, you know you had to go you know 22 and 11 over 33 games or whatever and and you're still in that situation right now you're 14 games 14 wins away from from 88 with uh with, with 21 games to go so Oh, then, Dan, I've got to jump in here. Ravens just terminated the contract of Ray Rice is what I am seeing coming across uh, yeah. coming across my screen yeah, right holy, now. Yeah, holy smokes. That, we, and I was going to say to you, Jerry, and I hate to, you know, you, you, we changed the subject there by necessity, but to me it was up to the Ravens club to do something today. The NFL had already acted. Uh, and, and I do not believe for a moment that they never saw that video. And I did watch that nope. video this morning. I mean, uh, amazing sure that it's so. A lot of people did. It's brazen. Uh, it was up to it's... the Ra- it was up to the Ravens to act, and I and I'm gratified and glad that they did act. I, I will, too. I've got to say that I did not believe that they would, to be honest with you. I thought they would suspend, but this 
this is much further. And maybe this is only because of public relations, but uh, there you go. For those of you that wanted a hammer put down, the Baltimore Ravens just moments ago have announced that they have released running back Ray Rice upon the viewing of the footage that was put out this morning. So there you go. I mean, and, uh, it, it, you know, we, we're just talking about this here. I, I'm amazed that it came this quickly. And you know what, SportsCenter, listen to this. The headline that SportsCenter just put out is Ravens terminate Ray Rice contract, making him free agent. What in the world does him being a free agent have anything to do with this headline right here? You know what I mean? Exactly. As as if, as if there's another team in the NFL that would touch this radioactive guy right Who's now. Who's going to jump uh, on that? You know, hey, we should go put yeah, in a that's, waiver that's claim. That's crazy. You know, uh, you know th- this is a league that is as as image conscious as as any. And uh, you know, you're right. This is a this is a a move that is dictated by. Popular outrage on social media this morning and and in the media everywhere this morning, uh, you know it's it's like everybody you know you can relate it to the Donald Sterling thing until TMZ comes out with a with a recording uh, of something you know Donald yep. Sterling the NBA is perfectly fine even though they've known for years that Donald Sterling was a you know a bigot if uh, if not worse and. Uh, now, uh, now they had to make a move because there was there was tape out. Well, same thing today. TMZ comes out with a video, uh, a, a team in the league that was prepared to uh, live with Ray Rice. Now he's too radioactive to play in this league, and and, and maybe justice is served, maybe not. But uh, certainly, it's a move dictated by uh, the media release of that footage and and the outrage that immediately followed it. I mean, it's all I've been able to see on on Twitter and, and uh, social media this morning. So, uh, But I, I'm glad that the Ravens did it. The Ravens really were sort of forced to do it. And they have a – like you, I was chuckling to myself. Uh, in fact, tweeted this morning something about I wonder if the Ravens or, or ESPN is going to ask their in-house – Ex Raven double murderer, what he thought about it, and and, and, and they uh, did. You know, that would be a little bit ironic. But uh, apparently, uh, Ray Lewis won't be required to uh, to weigh in on the Ray Rice situation on ESPN. I don't know. For those of you that like to think that there's uh, strings being pulled from up above in the sports world, the day after the Ravens build that statue and honor one Ray, they release the other one when the video comes out. I'm just saying, if you're looking for bad karma, there may be some of it swirling there around Baltimore here this weekend. But And you know my feelings. I brought it up earlier with John McMullen. And I disagree with LG. I don't think there's a single team in the league that will touch Ray Rice the remainder of this season. I do believe Gushin will start, and when do we give him an opportunity? But I don't think anybody touches. Do you really? Do you really? If that's the case, the Ravens wouldn't have cut him. Do you really want to be the team that goes and signs him now off of this? Like, no, I don't see that at all. He will not play football this season. I, I have no doubt. Oh, I, I, com- he, I completely agree. Yeah, the, but the, the, the Ravens, teams, the, you were on. The team's you, fan base. You know, it was, it was like he's as radioactive as Michael Vick was, maybe yeah. more so. Um, and, uh, no, it, it's not going to happen this year because no team's fan base will will put up with that. No, no team fan base will, will you know, sit quiet and, and, and cheer this guy when he takes the field in your uniform. It's just not going to happen. No, absolutely not. I agree with you there. Absolutely. And um, 
just uh, man, you know, you know, you were on the air with me when the Ravens were on doing that press conference that day, and I just could not believe that the team. I was appalled that they were out there defending and helping facilitate this this press conference thing, and I couldn't believe that. And so, you know, and it's funny that they do all of that, and then boom, they instantly drop the hammer. Today, I agree with a lot of what uh, John said earlier about there's a lot of disingenuousness about a lot of this too, but I don't care about that because that part doesn't affect me. That's uh, shady people being shady with each other inside the NFL and media. I don't care. I don't think the guy should play, and I'm glad that he's not playing. I just the, the thought of a week from now, him walking back into Baltimore and going back to football practice after the video that I watched this morning, I'm just like, listen, I think Josh Gordon's guilty as sin. But, I mean, puffing the magic dragon and he's not playing football for 17 years and Ray Rice is going back to practice next week, somebody's priorities are screwed up somewhere, man. Yeah, and of course, the the uh, tweet from the Ravens uh, Twitter feed from back uh, a month or so ago was was revisited this morning. Where you know, it's one thing if if the the girl involved, uh, Janae, whatever her name is, uh, came out and, and and apologized for quote unquote her role in the incident. Yes, uh, her part. You know, the Ravens. You know, she said that, and so if a media outlet reports that she said that, that's one thing. But for the Ravens' uh, so the official Twitter feed to put that out on a tweet that Janae apologized and said she has regret for her role in the incident, which is classic behavior from the abused uh, woman, yep. uh, the, the battered wife or whatever, it's, it, it's textbook uh, rationalization uh, by the abused battered woman that it is somehow her fault uh, or that she somehow asked for it or deserved what she got is just appalling. Uh, and... Uh, you know the idea that the Ravens would throw that out there as a as part of their defense of the way that they handled the Ray Rice situation is just ridiculous. And, and that whole thing, that that tweet by the Ravens got got revisited this morning, and it, it caused a lot of fear from people who Good. hadn't seen it the first time around. Uh, and I can't uh, believe they hadn't so deleted it. Something they regret. Couldn't believe that the Ravens hadn't deleted that tweet after a couple months. But that's uh, what they, I they just said. Not. I can't believe they hadn't deleted it. When they did it, I copied it and sent it to the NFL. And I said, how is this? I got no response. I said, how is this okay? This is a franchise's Twitter account. This is not even the coach or the owner or the general manager's Twitter account. This is at Ravens. This is the Baltimore Ravens account. And you tweeted out something that says, Janae says... I take responsibility for my part in causing what happened. And like you said, that is textbook blaming the victim. Like if a police officer had done that in the middle of the investigation, they'd be fired on the spot for that, you know? And to see that, I couldn't, and the NFL had no comment, no question. The Ravens didn't comment when I said, Ravens, how is this okay? And I know... I know, you know, hey, look, man, Ozzie Newsom is a, a, a man, a real person, not just a football guy. He's a, a man's man, and I get it. Guys like that, I, that's why I was surprised, you know. Take the Baltimore out of it. I can't stand Baltimore because they stole our team, but I don't care about that. I was just amazed that so much cover-up was going on from the franchise to to cover this thing up. That amazed me there, man. And uh, Yeah, so, and hey. I, I think the NFL has some things to answer for as well in the days to come here as this story continues to, to, to flourish. Um, namely, their 
claim today by Greg Aiello and, and by other people in the NFL front office that this was the first time today that they had ever seen this video. That's what they say. When, when That's what they say. Peter King, Peter King, among others, had reported weeks ago that they had the access to the inside the elevator uh, camera uh, footage and uh, that that was not, you know, now they're saying that that was never shared with them by law enforcement who, who did have it. Uh, but uh, that definitely runs counter to some reporting by some pretty credible people, namely Peter King, um, that uh, that they did in fact have access to that. Uh, the club had it, and the NFL office obviously had it. If the Ravens had it, and uh, they, there was some explaining to do by the NFL office uh, about the discrepancy there. I agree. I absolutely do. And uh, you know, again, hey. Uh, good that they made the move that they did. The Ravens, for those of you just joining us, J-Rock, Dan Wismar here on the Sports Fix. Ravens have terminated the contract effective immediately of Ray Rice, therefore making him a free agent, as SportsCenter decided to tell you was the important part of the story. But uh, terminating his contract and, and taking him at least out of their equation for playing football for the near future as footage comes out of of the incident that's been highly reported. But, you know, maybe some people, I don't know, maybe hearing the words punched his girlfriend or struck his girlfriend, maybe they don't have the same impact as seeing it, but there was nobody, and I don't care who, although I can't lie, as we've been on the air, I've still had a couple of people send me these stupid comments that make it slightly okay what happened, and I'm like, get off of this already. I don't care. I don't care if she insulted your manhood, if she told you that every lover she ever had was better than you. I don't care if she spits on you, slaps you, whatever it is. You hold, you're you in you're, you're, you're in an elevator. The, the one the one that I hear a lot is that she well she was drunk. So what? As, you know as, many, as if that explains well, something. You know? Do you know how many times in my life over over the course of my 30-some years that I've dealt with drunk individuals, I've never had to assault any of them unconscious. I've never had to, especially the female ones, I've never even had to hit the guys. So I'm just saying there's ways out of everything. You're in a friggin' elevator. It's going to take you 10 seconds. Did you guys notice from the time that he hit her how long it took the door to open? About 15 seconds. So you mean to tell me that big, strong, running back Ray Rice couldn't have held off a sloppy, drunken, 110-pound female for 15 seconds until he got off the elevator and said, hey, that crazy broad's trying to hit me. Somebody do something about it because that's what I would have done, and I'm just thinking on my feet here. But I don't make millions of dollars and play professional football, but that's how I would have handled it. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, There on. is no excuse, and, and uh, her role in the incident is the – That's the, it. It was her fault, man. The line, that, the line that just keeps sticking with me. And, and I'll uh, tell you what. Like I hope – If you know anything about domestic abuse or sexual – you know. Uh, battery uh, of that type. It's it's classic uh, rationalization behavior on the uh, on Let the part of you. the woman who's who's the victim to uh, internalize the idea that she somehow deserved it or had it coming, which is just so absurd. This um, is going to sound like I'm just the, making the, a joke for the here. Club, like you say, to rely on that to, to tweet out that as a defense <laughs> of their player is uh, is beyond appalling. To this me. is but just anyway. I'm I'm glad it, it has this uh, happy ending. 
I'll tell yeah, happy ending. I'll tell you, this is gonna sound like I'm just making a quick cheap joke here, but I, I only I'm only half making a quick cheap joke here, and it is I really truly hope that this diversion program has gotten Ray Rice some counseling because I'm willing to bet that he's quite angry at this point in the afternoon today. I'm pretty sure he's not in the best mood. So hopefully He's got some anger management things going. He's got somebody that he can call and work with his issues here. Because I'm guessing Ray Rice isn't having the best day today. But you know what? Janae didn't have the best day a couple of months ago either. So what goes around fans for jumping in the middle like that. But that literally hit as we were going. And I wanted to get that out there right away. Because there's nothing like talking about 35-minute old news. So now that we've got that out of there, uh, Indians, by the way, uh, it's gone from bad to worse as we've been talking. So perhaps that distraction came at a good time because the Indians have uh, definitely gone from bad to worse here. It's now six to nothing. Salazar ran out of the game, a six spot put on the board in the fifth inning by the angels. And that's going to do it for Danny Salazar. Final record for him coming off of such a great performance. Last time he goes four and two third here today, six runs on eight hits. All six runs are earned. He strikes out four, Two walks, he gives up two home runs as, uh, let's see, we've got Calhoun homered, a two-run homer, and then Freeze with a three-run homer, scored Pujols and Kendrick, and that blew it open. We're now 6 nothing here, still in the fifth inning for the Indians. So, uh, you know, you, like you said, you reach a hot team. The Angels, we talk about the Indians needing to get to 88, 89 wins to get to the playoffs here. The Angels are at 87 wins and counting, so they're red hot, one of the best teams in baseball, 87 and 55, and they're looking to take that uh, trip that they didn't necessarily want to take back to Cleveland here and get it over with as quick as possible. Right now, Indians with only two hits to their credit in today's game. Yeah, and you're not going to come back from six zip against Weaver, uh, but uh, so you, you chalk this one up and get the, get back after it tomorrow. But uh, I mean, stranger things have happened, but uh, hard to hard to project a good outcome at at six zero. Um, yeah, the Angels are as hot as anybody have a chance to get to hundred wins. Uh, might even look like a likelihood at this point to get your hundred wins. And, you gotta think. And, uh, so. I don't think. I don't think after the disaster that they had last season, anyone anybody would have uh, predicted that, even with all the talent and all the payroll over there. No, for sure. But I, I agree. They're definitely on pace for that. Dan, we're always all over the place when you're with us today, even more than usual with everything going on. Let's circle back around to the, the final stop of the sports weekend here. Indians with the sweep of the Sox. And you went down there 107,000 deep for what happened Saturday night. And then let's talk about yesterday, the Browns and the Steelers and man, you talk about, as we mentioned earlier, the tale of two games, but I mean, how I mean, you're you're like me. You and I are, are kind of kin on a lot of the way we feel about certain things. I mean, you had to be right there with all of us at halftime. You're going, okay, look, I knew this season wasn't going to be great, but man, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Yeah, and and the the term that came to mind, and I'm pretty sure I even tweeted it out at the time, was clown show. I mean, the, the, yeah, the the, the, the the terrible tackling, the the Levon Bell uh, run. Uh, just kind of put the exclamation point on it in that second quarter when uh, they just couldn't get out of their own way. And, and it, it, it has always amazed me how Roethlisberger survives pass rush situations that look like he's a certain dead duck and he somehow gets out of them. Uh, 
you know, Kirksey one time whiffed on him, and we had, you know, Kruger oh. whiffing on him, and, you know, guys that were just looking ready to sandwich him, and he somehow survives it. I still don't know how he does it. It's, uh, you, you know, you just have to tip your hat to the guy, much as you hate to do that. Um, as far as his ability to, you know, be, be tough in the pocket and evade pass rush and, and, and keep him getting sacked. But he was, he was up to his old tricks uh, that entire first half, uh, doing more of that and, and made his throws on the run worse. I, I really, and I don't know about you, but I, I seriously considered, you know, it was a beautiful day. You know, I had, I had family in town, my, my son and my grandchildren are around, and we had some people over and cooking out and, and all this stuff was going on. Uh, I really was tempted at halftime to just say, screw this game. Let, you know, it's a nice day. Let me go do something, anything, um, besides put myself through this um, after, after last night at the, in Columbus and everything else. So, yeah. But, you know, the, the Browns fan to me wouldn't let me do that, and I, and I sat back down for the second half kickoff, and obviously it was, was well entertained uh, the rest of the way. But uh, you, you can look at it, you know, a couple different ways, Jerry, and I'm sure, you know, you, you were the same way. You know, it, when you come back and, and score 24 unanswered, you know, you pretty much have to win the football game because it would be so Browns-like to lose it. And, and then the way that they ended up losing it was just a gut shot. Uh, you know, you, you have the ball on your own 45-yard line with four minutes to go. You've been running the ball well. Um, you know, you, you, you can't get a first down. You go three and out trying to throw the ball three times. And then even again, late in the game, under two minutes, you've got another shot deep in your own territory. And all you really need to do is get a first down to get to overtime. Uh, and, and you can't manage that. You're, you're taking negative yardage plays uh, a couple different times in that last series and folding, um, you know, the way that uh, we see it in our nightmares. And, and, and sure enough, it came about that way. But you can't help but come away from it. Like you said earlier, and I listened to your to your chat with John McMullen today. Uh, I always like listening to John and you talk. Uh, you've got to feel good about the second half adjustments. It's the opposite from what we've seen from the Browns, who are known to start fast and fold. Um, to see that kind of a, of a comeback and see that kind of uh, guts and call it character, whatever you want, I, as much as anything, it was good to see that we do, in fact, have an offense that's capable of you know, chewing up yardage and scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. Hoyer showed me something. Uh, uh, the uh, the whole team showed me something that second half. And, yeah, they lost the game. We've seen plenty of that. That's nothing new. What is new is is that uh, that fight and that, that ability to come back strong and to, uh, you know, score 27 points on the road against a decent defense, uh, all those things are things that we haven't seen enough of over the last 15 years, and so I do come away from it encouraged. Dan, from your lips to God's ears, as you say the words making a comeback, on the other field in downtown Cleveland, the Indians may be doing just that. Lonnie Chisenhall gets a hold of one, gets a home run here. Just like that, the Indians have cut into this lead here it is now six to two the indians trail the angels lonnie chisenhall with the home run in the bottom of the fifth so they answer the sixth spot by the angels and put at least two here thus far on the board in their half of the inning don't count my team of destiny out just yet never never say die that's great to hear i'm uh, uh i'm not where i can watch the game right now but uh, that's good to hear and uh you know we're 
we've got a lot of baseball yet to be played, so who knows? I'm not going to say die. There you go, because literally we just got done saying, well, you know, with Weaver, you just, you're just you not going to go ahead and come back from this one, so let's go ahead and, and just look forward. But, hey, so far so good. Let's see what happens. Chisholm Hall, two-run home run. Kipnis scores on it, 6-2. to two. Jan Gomes at the plate here as the Indians look to bring themselves back from that six-run hole they put themselves in in the bottom of the fifth. Now back to the Indians, as Dan Wismar and I were talking about, and I agree with a lot of what you just said. And, and we really, you know, John and I hit on a lot of the X's and O's and stuff earlier on, but, uh, you know, I disagree. I see Vishon in the chat room. I don't care. I think that uh, – I disagree that you can say because there's some people that say that and Vashon's one of them here saying that the, the only reason the Browns came back is because Pittsburgh quit trying. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh took their foot off the gas. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe you could claim the first touchdown. Maybe you could even claim the first ten points. But no team takes their foot off the gas for the entire second half and just says, oh, we'll we'll just hang out here and you know we're still gonna win the game. So I think that's discrediting the Browns for what they did in the second half of that game. And remember, at the end of the day, they lost. I'm not sitting here and taking any moral victories. You heard me say I thought my favorite thing about the post game yesterday was Mike Pettin not even taking the bait. He said, I don't want to hear about that, man. It's win or lose. It's pass or fail, and we failed. I'm not taking any moral victories out of this thing. I don't care how we played in the second half because he could have been how many times has Judd, has Shermer, have these guys said, well, there was some good things. There was some good things the Browns did. I got to go check the tape on the bad things, but I happen to know all the good things off the top of my head. It's only the bad things that I got to go check the tape about, but uh, he didn't right. need we, to we check all got, tape. We all got tired of hearing Butch Davis talk about making strides. Well, we made some strides. Right, you yeah, know, yeah, like you're, no, you're right. It, it it was good. It was good to hear Patton uh, take the uh, take the no no moral victories in the NFL pass fail league we failed kind of a thing. I mean that's uh, that's an attitude we haven't always had from uh, from head coaches here. What do you think about him? Game one. Mike Pettin, obviously you have to take the whole game into account. The way they started that thing, the way they adjusted as much as it was at halftime, and the way they finished it. Where are you at week one with a rookie head coach and his first opportunity to run a team during a game? Well, just like it's what we said, we're seeing the flip side of what we've seen so often, and that was fast start, fold fold at the end. Now, yeah, you could say the same folded at the end by just uh, allowing the Steelers to hit a couple big completions in the last, you know, 30 seconds of the game to, to get set up for a field goal, but uh, we, we saw 24 unanswered points. We saw the team getting after Roethlisberger in the second half and sacking him, uh, you know, multiple times and, and getting some pass rush on him. Uh, I just think that, you know, defensively, this is a team that's going to Keep keep them in some games. Uh, yeah, they gave up 30 points, but uh, I'm still convinced that this is going to be a, a defense that's a better than average NFL defense before it's all said and done. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, just the fact that uh, they came out with some fight, and even though Pettin refused to take the credit for that, said that it was players and team leaders, Dan's Hayden, whomever, Boyer, um, you know, speaking up at halftime. Uh, you know that uh, you know that comes from the coach. I mean that that uh, that attitude, uh, you know, is is fostered by the coaching staff, and and uh, so I, I guess from that standpoint, I've got to say, yeah, it's uh, it's an improvement. It's a positive. Uh, he had him in until the end, and uh, you know that's a rough place to play, and uh, you know 
it's it's a loss, but uh, and like I said, I'm I'm still encouraged by it. Uh, am I a homer? Yeah, damn right, I'm a homer. Um, but uh, that's uh, you, you've got to be encouraged by what you saw in the second half. And you know what? I agree with you. You know, I'm I'm not I'm I'm fighting a losing battle here against certain people. There's no you can't change people's opinion if they want to believe that the Browns stink and then that it was all Pittsburgh letting them back in it in the second half. That's great. I say I again I disagree with that. I think I'll give you that at first. Of course you come out in the second half and and you're coasting a bit, but you don't stay there. You don't stay there. You know, anyways, you can think what you want. I, the game really showed me a lot of what I thought. The Browns aren't as bad as people thought they were, and they're not as good as the high end of the, the people thought they were going to be either. But uh, it's not gloom and doom as far as the offense goes. And I'll tell you, the running game opened up a bit with the with the two youngsters going at it. T. West, one of the things I meant, or excuse me, uh, uh, Ben Tate, before West came in, one of the things I mentioned was his injury history coming in. And uh, the thing that I like about him is he's known for playing hurt. The things that I don't like is that he's hurt all the time. Even if he plays through it and plays hurt, as we know, Trevor Richardson will play with broken ribs. He'll still only get you two yards of carry. But uh, Ben Tate looked decent when he first started running the ball, but then he goes out already first game, and he goes out. Good to see the young guys behind him, and I think uh, a lot of people glad that the Browns were smart enough to hold on to Crowell and saw a little bit of what you got with those two as a one-two punch coming out behind Tate, but a little bit concerning. It should be, anyways, that first game in, first game out for Ben Tate. Yeah, and that's true, and I haven't heard anything today. Um, you, you may have. I don't either. Uh, I don't have anything yet. That injury. I heard it was, all I heard it was a knee. What, what's the word? I don't have anything yet on the latest. I haven't gotten the injury uh, breakdown from yesterday. Same with Cameron either. No word yet whether there's a, more of a separation to that shoulder. I worry because... Um, it, when there's a, a big separation, a lot of times you can play through it while the adrenaline's pumping, and then once you calm down, then that pain really kicks in. And that seemed like what happened yesterday because he did try to get through the first half. When he came back out after halftime, he could only go one play, and it hurt too much. And that worries me that maybe once the adrenaline slowed down, he may have realized that that's more severe than he thought because – yeah, that's a high level of pain when a football player is saying, man, that's a, I can feel the pain, you know? So I worry that that may be more than just a, hey, he's banged up and he'll be back next week. I worry about that. I mean, great catch to start things. You know, you know, when he caught that, you're thinking, man, all right, they went over the top early and a good diving catch. But by laying out for that, he, uh, he may have hurt himself. And with not having Gordon, the last thing you want to do is eliminate the weapons that you do have on offense. Unfortunately, you can't control injuries. Yeah, it, it is good to see that the, there is some depth and there's no doubt that, you know, if you want to, you know, to, to the people who say same old Browns, I will no. say, no. look at the running game versus last year when it was non-existent, uh, when you had nothing resembling an NFL caliber running back on your roster uh, versus what you have today with uh, guys like Terrence West and, and Isaiah Crowell behind Ben Tate. And, and uh, there it's like night and day from what, what they were putting out on the field last year in the running game. So, uh, if for no other reason than that, now maybe the maybe the Browns are going to be competing with uh, oh, let's say the Baltimore Ravens looking for a running back on the on the waiver wire here uh, this week. But uh, you know, the the depth is uh, obviously a, a an uptick from last year when, like I said, there was 
there was just nothing, even a sniff of a running game last year that any team had to worry about that was facing the Browns. Speaking of, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> mention that I, I brought up a couple of guys last week that I think are going to be a part of this offense, and, and we saw that. You talk about depth. I'm joking, but Barnage and Dre, both guys can catch a few passes at tight end. We did see a lot of two tight end out of the uh, the Browns in various uh, formations and stuff. You saw a lot of that, and as I said, I think that's one of the reasons that they went five wide receivers because they count those tight ends as pass catching tight ends that they got, you know, and I know none of them are game breakers except Cameron. I'm talking about the other two because I know they're not game breakers, but I think that they're figured into the Browns plan regardless. Like they're a part of the plan. They're looking at them as extensions of the receiver core. Yeah. And the other thing uh, that, that was highlighted by that and by the 24 point outburst in the second half is, is, for the fans at least, who went through the exhibition season with very little to to uh, you know hang their hat on in terms of belief that Kyle Shanahan's offense was a real live NFL offense, now maybe there is some uh, some hope that yeah you know we we had some receivers run wide open based on the scheme that Shanahan was throwing at them on uh, five wides and uh, including uh, a couple tight ends and and getting guys open and and. Uh, you know, using some bootlegs and using some misdirection to, to uh, you know, give Hoyer some time to throw and get away from the blitz. Uh, it was, you know, uh, Shazier, you know, looks like a looks like an NFL player, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he, he, does. he made some, yes, he made he some does. nice plays, but uh, you, you had to avoid that that rush and that blitz. And uh, they, you know, Shanahan's offense at least uh, showed signs of being. Uh, competent which is something that we didn't really see you know what i agree there i don't think his offense his offense stinks his offense was discombobulated and unjointed in the first half that offense did not get untracked until they went quick play call no huddle brian hoyer mostly calling the plays being given a couple of options at the line and him really kind of coordinating those drives. Brian Hoyer was the de facto play caller for a lot of the second half, and Shanahan said that. And so... Tempo, the the up-tempo, I mean, that was clearly something that... that Yeah, so it makes me wonder if... I know you can't go with that all as your offense, but I think whatever it was about that tempo that changed what you did in the first half, you better come back and, and do that again. And, uh, and you know what? I'm going to go right back to the quarterback here, and I'm, I'm just going to ignore the hate going on over here in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, Brian Hoyer, to me, at the end of the day, the second half right there, I don't even care. Johnny Manziel doesn't even come in my equation because he's not ready anyway. But if anybody had any questions about what kind of quarterback he was last year when he got hurt, I think that you clearly can calm that mess down after seeing what you saw yesterday. I mean, he really is as advertised last year as far as being a spark, being a leader, being competent, not making stupid, silly mistakes. I think everything that he is known for showed itself. And a lot of people, us included, were worried, not worried, but curious if that was going to continue to be the case or did we just have a blip in the radar last year and he was going to go back to, you know, is the pumpkin turning back at midnight, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I I did read that uh, he hasn't thrown an interception since that first start last year, Uh, something like 99 or hundred, you know, pass attempts uh, without a pickoff. And certainly the Steelers are a team that's a a, a ball-hockey team. So, 
yeah, he, he didn't make the big mistake. And, uh, you know, I, uh, you got to go back to that. And, you know, as far as maturity and a little bit of experience in the NFL, such as, you know, he doesn't have much, but he's got more than the other guy. Uh, and uh, I'll agree with one other thing you said, that uh, Booms is an idiot. Ah, you know, you heard that too. Like, I didn't hear it. I got hit with about five or six messages in a row that said, can you believe what this guy just said? And I'm like, well, no, I'm, I'm absolutely not listening. I'm not even near the television at this point. And I could not believe that he said, "That's you know, Mike Patton, they're a big dumb coach. You know, if he would have just put the Manziel in at halftime, that's why the Browns didn't win. And I'm like, dude, it would have been... It would have been it would have been a debate. You think it would have been the first half times too, in my opinion, in the second half. But hey, you can put yourself to sleep however you want, man. I guess so. I feel bad for people from six to ten this morning that drove around Cleveland and probably had to listen to if Manziel was the quarterback, they would have won for four hours. I feel bad for you guys. You probably needed a lot of coffee and some ibuprofen by the time you got to work. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. That's the most inane thing I've ever heard. But uh, I mean, seriously. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know you're you're right that, that Hoyer and he was credited obviously uh, by Petten as being one of those guys in the in the locker room at halftime that uh, was insisting that this was not the way it was going to go down and this was not the way we're going to be and uh, let's uh, summon something from somewhere and have some pride and go out there and, and play tough and and uh, to their credit it was more than talk they went out and they did it and and uh so yeah to you know you've got it we talked before about the tough schedule that you've got ahead uh you know you, you ticked off saints team coming in this week and the browns record in home openers is not something to uh to, to give you hope but uh you know who knows we'll, we'll see how uh how well they play in front of the home crowd this week and if they can make it make it different than uh the egg that they normally lay in home openers uh, will uh, maybe won't maybe we'll have another idea, another step along the way at, uh, that that might be different from the uh, succession of guys in front of them. Dan Wismar, there's some collusion going on here again. I think with those Harbaugh brothers. All I'm saying is within a half an hour of Ray Rice's suspension, Lamichael James has asked for and been granted his release by the 49ers. Now I'm just saying. If LaMichael James signs with the Baltimore Ravens by tomorrow, then I think we got a little collusion here going on. Called his brother, said, hey, man, look, man, I got this running back problem. I wasn't anticipating this this, this to come out like this. Who you got? What do you got for me? Ah, we don't want to make a trade, man. Somebody might say, ah, let's, yeah, let him go. Uh, we're going to pick the guy up, man. Hook us up over here. No, but uh, you never know. There's a running back that's let loose there. Of course, he was a second-round pick two years ago. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see if the, the Ravens don't kick the tires on LaMichael James. Yeah, you talk about your collusion, brother to brother. Yeah, that that really is something. We, like we knew Anquan that coming, got coming traded. In, <laughs> coming into the season, uh, we knew that the Forty ers were deep at running back with Gore and yes, James and, yes. and uh, Carlos Hyde. And good to see Carlos Hyde had a nice uh, opener. Uh, yeah, he 50, did. Fifty yards on seven carries and a, and a touchdown. And a touch. Uh, and maybe yep. may, maybe that had something to do with the Michael James uh, being let go, but. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. That that does smell bad uh, if, uh, if if James signs with the Ravens. Called his brother and just said, hey, look, relax, man. Uh, I got something for you. Just sit tight. You'll, you'll see in a minute. Just relax. You know, I, hey, I, hey, I, got, I got this. 
I got this. Hey, LaMichael, what are you from Baltimore <laughs> this time of year? I know it's not the Bay Area, but, you know, they, they got some good things going on, brother to brother. How about I hook you up, man? You know, so there you go. But uh, anyways, that's out there. And I'm with you. Let's see what happens. You and I, when, when we talk on Wednesday, we'll be able to look ahead to the Buckeyes and the Browns. I'm with you, man. It's going to be tough. I mean, it was going to the Saints can play some ball. And obviously, they're not the same on the road as they are at home, but they're still pretty damn good. And Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game. And if Ben Roethlisberger picked you apart, then Drew Brees will find if you're if you make mistakes, he's gonna find them all day long more than Roethlisberger will, in my opinion. So you got to get on him and you got to get that pressure. But is it a, a completely in the pocket that they don't win? No, but it's very tough, very tough to go out there and match New Orleans point for point. They're going to have to they're going to win it with defense and running if they're going to be in this game with the Saints. The Saints are going to be a little ticked off after this weekend too. No doubt about it and you're absolutely right. I heard you talking earlier. You, you you've got to shorten the game with them. You can't get in a scoring contest with them and uh shorten the game with uh, with a good running game and with uh and with solid defense and, and getting after the quarterback. That's one thing we we did see and and uh we didn't see a lot of it in the preseason but uh of course, we didn't see a lot of Jamal Shirt and, and people like that in the preseason. He had a nice game, I thought. And, uh, you know, Petten's approach of fresher in the QB is uh, going to be needed every week, but especially this coming week. To talk about it all. Meanwhile, Indians here, before I let you go, Dan, let's get one more update on things. Are we still sitting at 6-2 to two here? It takes a minute. I believe that is right. To refresh yeah. it. Yeah, 6-2. to two, Indians still looking to come back here. Chisholm Hall with the two-run home run. We're in the bottom of the sixth inning, and it looks like the Indians got a little something cooking. Got some of that when we come back from the break. Dan, later than usual, longer than usual. Who cares? We had a lot to talk about. Thanks for being here with us Wednesday. Opener, and we'll look ahead to the Buckeyes as well. See, you had the, you had the, the Buckeyes home opener last weekend. This weekend, you're going to be at the Browns home opener. You got you got a little nifty couple of weekends here, man. It's always big fun. I'll uh, I'll be back at you Wednesday. We'll talk about uh, those Kent State Golden Flashes, and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. You got it. Thank you so much, as always. Dan, have a good one. You too, Jerry. Thank you. All right. My man, Dan Wismar, you guys can tweet with him, as always, at DWismar on Twitter, at DWismar. We're going to take a break. You can tweet with me at the Sports Fix CLE. We'll be right back. 216-539-7535. Final segment, wrapping it up. I'll get one more phone call in if it comes Keeping it tight. 216-539-7535. And we come back, talk a little bit about this NBA situation. The Hawks up for sale. We'll talk about that for those of you that don't know. An update on the Indians and the Angels currently 6-2. to two. Perhaps that changes. We'll be right back wrapping things up. Final segment of the Sports Fix coming up next. It's an addiction. The Sports Fix will be right back. Whether it's an oil change or a new set of tires... 
Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck has you covered for your car care needs. They're your neighborhood quick service experts. They also offer a low price tire guarantee. Choose from 13 brands, and if you find the same tires at a lower price within 30 days, Quick Lane at Valley Ford will refund the difference. 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View. Come see why life is better in the Quick Lane. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. Let's talk about the X's and O's of family entertainment. Every parent in Ohio knows the importance of being able to draw up an activity that'll get you out of the house for a couple of hours. But it needs to be affordable. It needs to be family-friendly. Above all, it needs to be fun. Now, let's talk about high school sports. Bang for your buck, school sports provide the perfect game plan for your family. You'll enjoy all of the drama and excitement competitive sports offer. You'll be supporting the future leaders of our community in a meaningful way. Best of all, you can take the entire family without breaking the bank. Heck, you won't even dent it. Now, enough chalk talk. Let's get out there and see what's playing at the high school in your community. School sports. Good for our kids. Good for our community. This message presented by the Ohio High School Athletic Association and the Ohio Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. This is the Sports Fix. What is your name? I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, is dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Dude, what do you want? Uh, well, it's uh, this rug I have. It really tied the room together. Uh, we are not a show to be swept under the rug. We are a show to be heard. He's the Sports Fix. Welcome back, man. This is officially, way officially, the longest episode of the the Sports Fix. At least this uh, this version of the show, it's the longest we've ever gone. As we're over the three hour mark, it was an incredibly busy weekend. A lot of stuff to get into here. The Ray Rice thing just takes it into a whole nother arc of stories to talk about. Thanks to John McMullen and Dan Wismar for being with us. LG called in earlier. Big Bob, all you guys that have talked with us throughout the show. Ryan Ruiz had a had a point there. I was looking in the chat room during the last break there that Justin Gilbert just had a bad day all the way around. Toasted every way possible. Boy, you talk about coaching him up. That one, they better coach him up, man, because, you know, to me, a first-round cornerback should not look that lost. He can look lost from time to time. Like, that stuff happens, but you can't look that lost. All of us were shocked when Gilbert went where he did. Denard, a couple of other guys that people had rated higher that went 10, 20 spots later in the draft, and I just, you know, but whatever. Like, I'm I'm a bit, like, I saw Vashon use the Leon McFadden comparison, which should be like a four-letter word when you talk about cornerbacks, but I don't know if I go that far, but you shouldn't be this unprepared when you're a, a top 10 cornerback taken in the draft. I really hope that they can coach him up. They got a ton of depth back there. Hopefully it's not just there to fill spots on the roster. Hopefully some of those guys can uh, 
can be passing some things along to him because where I was going with this is not just in the game, the coverage and all of that stuff, but Ryan with a great point, uh, he got toasted on the, the fake punt, which really there's an underrated play in the game because the Browns defense had just come up and took care of business when they needed them. And then boom, they hit you with the with the fake punt, and Gilbert just got smoked there, left a wide open deal, and and that changed field position on the game, which played itself out at the end. So that's good job there by Ryan pointing that out because that was uh that was key. That really was the deep. Just I mean, really in the second half, for as bad as they got toasted in the first half, in the second half until crunch time. They got you every stop that you wanted until the end. And and I hate to use the phrase, that's so Cleveland, but it, you know, as Dan said earlier, that is so the Cleveland Browns to have that last drive go the way it does. And even then, one play, it's not even one drive, one play, one stop, perhaps none of that happens. And instead, you slip and down goes the down goes your guy, Gilbert, and there goes your catch, and it's in field goal range, and the game is over. And we're sitting here going, man, it's it's a moral victory, but not the one that counts on the paper. But I really do. I see more of it out of it than that. But we'll see what happens. How they bounce back. You get, hey, you come home and get blown out by the Saints. Then we're having we're having a different conversation next Monday. So it's how you read and react and bounce back to this that's going to determine where you go with it. But Justin Gilbert, a big, big work in progress there at cornerback. I definitely agree with you guys for sure so all right guys we'll talk more about tomorrow see tomorrow actually we'll talk about tonight's final monday night football games we'll talk about the browns the latest with ray rice and all of that with dr football bill check as he joins us on tuesdays as usual we will recap whatever the final score is here with the indians is them and the angels still doing their thing here i'll get you an update on the score tribe continuing to work their way back in this game. I've got 6-3 to three now. The latest Indian score with, well, it looked like they had the potential here to make it a whole lot more with the Cubs unable to get more in that situation. I'm sorry I don't have the specifics for you, but I'm not watching the game game. I'm watching the game cast. Indians add another run in the bottom of the 6th. It is now 6-3, to three, heading into the top of the 7th inning. Final three innings to go. Trout, Pujols, and Kendrick, whoo. Two, three, and four in the middle of that Angels order coming up for the uh, Angels here. And they'll be facing, well, right now Zach McAllister's on the hill, but I don't know. There may be a pitching change coming for the seventh inning. So we'll talk about that tomorrow with Jeff Gorman from Indians101.com. And we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to him about all the latest and get you a full preview on the Minnesota Twins as that series is next up for the Cleveland Indians after today. All right, guys, let's see. One thing I wanted to get into before we call it a day, and you know what? We can get more into this tomorrow, but uh, coming out of Atlanta and the uh, the news with the Hawks that one of the majority owners, Bruce Levinson, is putting the Hawks up for sale. This is a, a fallout of the post-Donald Sterling era here in the NBA, and this was actually self-reported. When you read now more details coming out, about how this was discovered, actually. Uh, it, it, you talk about comedy of errors. There it is right there. It involves Danny Ferry, too, former general manager for the Cavaliers as well. But apparently, uh, it's part of it. It's a two-part thing. The way this came out is the actual email that caused the entire circumstances that we're talking about and is going to lead 
to the controlled sale of the Atlanta Hawks here uh, to another owner was because of an email that Levinson had sent out to the co-owners and some other people that work with the team about the uh, the fan base in Atlanta. And he talked uh, about the racial breakdown of the fan base there and how it's 70% African-American as far as everybody that's at the games. He made some comments about their financial status, how he didn't think there were enough um, high financially high, well-off African-Americans, enough of the society to be the majority of that fan base. And he felt that the 70% was driving away some of the white upper class fan base that doesn't feel comfortable in a, in an environment so heavily uh, African-American. That was the gist of his comments. And, but the way it came out was, uh, was a little bit of a comedy of errors here with Danny Ferry as apparently there was uh, and this involved Luau Dang also former so a couple of Cleveland ties here but during the process of targeting Luau Dang for the free agency for the Hawks here apparently in the actual scouting report and I don't have the comments and so far I have not seen the actual comment yet, but apparently in the scouting report for the Atlanta Hawks about Luau Dang was a racial slur or some type of a racial remark about Dang specifically. Well, when Danny Ferry was on the conference call with the, with different people reading some of their uh, internal targets for free agency, they never edited the comment that was made so he made this, I guess they claim it, offensive and racist description of Luol Dang. He apparently read it non, non-brained to mouth. He read it while he was reading the report. And somebody that was in the meeting said, this is absolutely not appropriate. This word should not have been used. That led to the circumstances within all of this that has brought the email to light and Levinson had no choice but to self-report himself because if he didn't, it was coming to light no matter what. And uh, it turned out that the Hawks hired an Atlanta law firm to do a giant investigation internally on all of this, especially because Pot Kettle Black, Levinson was one of the more vocal owners against Donald Sterling when that situation went down a few months ago. So all of this uh, ties into the sale now of the Atlanta Hawks, and that will now be the next franchise, two of them, in the course of a couple of months that are now being uh, sold here. Uh, The estimated value by Forbes for the Atlanta Hawks, $425 million. Let's see. The Milwaukee Bucks were a $405 million franchise that sold for $550 million. The Clippers were a $575 million franchise that sold for $2 billion. So I'm guessing the Hawks, if they're if Forbes has got them at four and a quarter, $425 million, I would say that's easily a six, $650 million sale. Maybe $600 million sale. I would I would guess that the sale ends up being somewhere in around the 600 650 million dollar range for the Atlanta Hawks there but uh, once again I mean look and how quickly this came out and he knew see and this is where 
this is right about what I was talking about earlier with them ignoring the videotape of uh, of Ray Rice. Like, you have to know it's going to come out. If it's out there, it's going to come out. That's why the Hawks had no choice. Do you think this guy wanted to call Silver and say, I got to sell my team. Here's what you're about to find out and lay it out there. No, if he could have covered it up, of course he would. It was an internal email that two years ago, yeah, 10 years ago, definitely would have never came to light. Two years ago, it probably would have. But 10 years ago would have never even come to light. And today he knew this thing's out here. It's going to come to light. So if I don't take care of it now, it's coming out on its own. So he, he knew he was done either way. But And that's what I meant with that Ray Rice footage. Like, if you know it's out there, then just tell people about it because you are not, you're not going to keep anything hidden in 2014. You might be able to keep it hidden for a little bit, but you're not going to, you're not going to keep it hidden for a long time. And uh, for those of you that wondered, some of the comments uh, that he had made in the letter, uh, it, it was, you know, it was, I don't know, I see Vashon in the chat room saying he didn't think that it was uh, racist. I mean, it was, it was, it was right on that line. And I could see where it makes some people uncomfortable. And in the environment that the NBA is currently acting in, I can see uh, where they go in that direction. But I mean, a lot of it, if it's funny, because there's no way to even have this discussion without irrational people taking what you say and running with it in the opposite direction of what you meant. So I probably shouldn't even have this conversation if we can't have it rationally. And I just don't believe that nowadays you can. Yeah, most people can can have common sense, but there's always an idiot in every bunch. But, uh, you know, again, hard hard to rationalize it without taking it into a rational direction. Not taking it. This conversation has no interest in going. But the points that he made, I see Bashan in the chat room. Yeah, the points that he made make the points that a lot of business owners would have said this thing and would have said just it's, I think that it's the highly sensitive environment that really takes it over the top. He made statements in the lower states. Southern whites were not colorable. Southern whites appear not being in an arena they were in minority arena. He's been open with the executive teams about his concerns. He likes white cheerleaders, and while he does not care what and color the artist is, what he would prefer that the music be familiar to a 40-year-old white guy. If a 40-year-old white guy sees a ticket demographic, when every fan walked out of the crowd contest are black, I have even complained that the kids cam is too black and see now at that point you're crossing lines and there's where you go to far as where i do understand and this is what i meant by you gotta be rational as a businessman i guess his point about the targeting your demographic what i mean by that is what if you know that is 70 percent of your season tickets are sold by middle tickets and you white guys want to target what the music to target play. And, and target does not mean that either target does not simply mean either two. 
just focusing on your target demographic, the your target, also creating an environment while comfortable creating a bigger and all of that, and picturing everybody that's all that. So I get it, everybody that's involved. I just get hint that went there. You own restaurants, and a majority of the restaurants come in that are 14 years old. You're going to want to create all your music. You're going to want to decorate You're going to want to create that decoration to an 18 year old fan base. But make sure that you don't make me 40 year old uncomfortable. You want them to be comfortable too. You want them not going to be playing pranks and not for music because you know that the 18 year old you're hitting the bricks and 18 year old somewhere else. That's your target demographic. So you're shooting your demographic. So, you know, he obviously went too far. You know, much too far to be walking that line and going over the end. But some of what he said has actual business sense and does make sense. However, it all jumbles into a place where people don't want to go. And nobody can even have a discussion. And he can't even sit down and say what I'm saying right now because he's already been unable to raise this. He's already in the book. He doesn't like black people. He doesn't want them to come to like a He doesn't want them to come to again, but I'm not because I'm fortunate. But I'm not. True, but he can't. He can't even sit down and make those points. And how we, and as a society, it drives me nuts because we can't even have this discussion. Because everybody will take what I just said, and the ones that agree with me will go, "Man, that guy really knows how to look at the big picture." And the ones that don't agree with me will go, "He's racist too." So nobody wins. Nobody wins. You know, and uh, it's about marketing. I see you there, Vashon, too. It's about marketing. It's about all of that. Uh, it's not just a racial thing. But regardless, I think going beyond that, what brought it out is the fact that how in the world is Danny Ferry? They, you know what? Enjoy him, Atlanta, because in my opinion, he helped screw up the uh, the Cavaliers, too. Um, but how is Danny Ferry going to sit there and have a racial slur about a potential free agent? First off, that's a hell of a way to lure somebody to come and play for your team, let alone... How you even? How can you evaluate talent if you look at them that way? How can you evaluate talent if you if you look at them in a racist and offensive way? You know what I mean? Like, you know. I, anyways, how can you do that? But then, how can the idiot be sitting there reading the scouting report to other people out loud and actually say it, and then keep going and not even realize that he said it, and then have other people go, "Can you believe what he just said about Luau Dang?" And then. Whatever. It's just that's just crazy. You talk about a comedy of errors. Yeah, okay, you could be describing the the first half of the Browns game, but I think I'm we're describing Danny Ferry here. And it, that's just absolutely ridiculous there. So but that's kind of the situation in a nutshell. And very quickly you will have a new owner of the Atlanta Hawks. And that's it's the post Donald Sterling era that we live in. And uh I even saw some comments uh from some people in the situation that said uh, you know, what what happened was definitely not appropriate, but in a post-Donald Sterling situation, it takes even more egregiousness and precedence because it's such a hot-button issue right now out there in the air. And you know what the other thing is, too, which I guess I don't know if it matters because he's crazy and he says he's going to sue the NBA for the rest of his life, but I would assume the NBA would want to cover their back on stuff like this and make sure that Levinson self-reports and sells the team immediately because... You would think that if this came out and he didn't sell the team, that's your everything you need argument for Donald Sterling to make a complaint against the NBA. You know what I mean? Let this would have come out. Let this would have come out and he was not ta- uh, fined and told to sell his team. If that would have happened, Donald Sterling really would have had a legitimate 
lockdown case against the NBA, in my opinion, because he could have very easily have said, what is the difference between what I did and what he did? His is on paper. Mine is on uh, audio or video or whatever. So uh, very quickly, the NBA had to act on that because I think it could have cost them all billions of dollars in that, that aspect of it. But there it is. So we'll see if I'm close to I got 600 in the Atlanta Hawks pool. 600 million is what it's going to cost somebody to own the Atlanta Hawks. We'll see uh, if I'm close on that. All right, guys. Indians, Angels, they're wrapping things up. Oh, I was hoping to get off the air and watch the rest of this comeback, but as I was doing that last segment, the Angels put two more back on the board in the seventh inning. Crockett is now pitching for the Indians. Eight to three is the score. Angels over the Tribe. We will talk about that, whatever the final score is, and we will... Hit the Twins with Jeff Gorman from Indians101.com tomorrow. Dr. Football, Bill Check is in the house talking about all the week one as it's in the books. We'll talk about the Browns and Ray Rice and so much more. We'll take your calls and do the Tuesday thing right here on the Sports Fix. We love you, Cleveland. Three and a half hours later. Thank you for being a part of the longest edition of the Sports Fix we've ever done. We will see you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the Indians game. Enjoy not one but two Monday night football games tonight. And come on back, baby. Let's do it. Same bad time, same bad channel, live at noon tomorrow on the Sports Fix. We love you, Cleveland. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Sports Fix. Go try. Go try. Out here in Cleveland, Cleveland.